Well, what's up, folks? It is uh, Friday Eve, Thursday night, for some of you who like to tell the days of the week. It's almost a weekend. It's almost here, and we're glad to have the funniest guy on radio, at least that I believe, even funnier than the late Robin Williams. Joe DeCamera will be on with us a little bit later on. I see him inside the green room waiting patiently. As, as much as you guys are, we're planning to have a lot of fun with Joe. Joe, by the way, got his start, of course, over on... 97.5. We'll mention the rest of the radio station, but we're glad to see him on 94 WIP. The host, along with John Ritchie of the Midday Show, which I believe, and I believe other Philadelphians believe, that it is the number one show on Philly radio today. So great job by Joe and John over there. And of course, my brother who produces the show, Jimmy Seltzer. So we'll be talking to Joe, some Eagles, some Phillies, some Sixers, also some questions on how he got started in the business, along with some Save by the Bell trivia questions. So it's pretty much AMA with Joe, except for we get to do it to Joe, where normally Joe gets to do it to the listeners. So we have an action-packed show. It's going to be jammed up, so I don't want to waste any more time. Thank you guys and girls for tuning in tonight. I'm Angel. This is Brawl South. Also, as a quick reminder, don't forget May 18th, make that change in Philly for a Philadelphia safer city. Vote for Carlos Vega, May 18th. Let's not forget all about that. So also the other guy that I can not do the show with, and he always loves his drum line, would be Mike Fuji. <laughs> Fuji, what's going on tonight? What's going on, Mr. Martinez? Joe DeCameron in the house, Friday Eve, six to eight, six days away from the NFL schedule to come out. Let's get that fans of Philly Vegas trip up and running. And how's everybody doing tonight in the Delaware Valley and around the world? Now, let's hope that everybody's doing well down here in the Tampa area. It is about uh, 94 degrees today. Pretty hot, daggone humid, but it was all right because we enjoy it. And of course, we cannot do the show as well without our sports contributor, the professor. The Drew Rue, Mike Sherman. <music> Professor, how are you this evening? I am doing fantastic. Four straight for the fighting Phils, sweeping out the Milwaukee Brewers. Zach Wheeler with the complete game today. And how about the other night, my boy, Vinny B, getting the job done, six solid mm. innings, earning him a spot in that rotation. Let's do it. Let's do it indeed. And course, last, two guys, last two guys that we need to introduce here, one is the national correspondent, Ryan Neff, with it looks like almost a little fedora here. Going back a little old school here, Ryan Neff. Ryan, how are you this evening? Gentlemen. How's it going? Draft is over. People shouldn't be talking about football anymore until July, unless something major happens. Of course, Phillies, Sixers, big topic. Let's uh, put the Eagles on the back burner for a while because I think everybody's sort of like you're, you're in one of the biggest football markets in the country, my man. That's impossible. Pretty much. Yeah, I, as soon as I start talking, these guys interrupt, and I can't get a word in edgewise. So <laughs> it's just the way you know, it's yeah, supposed to be. Put the Eagles on the back burner for a while, my friends. Never happened. If, if we're going to keep talking football here, and of course our beat writer, Nick Lisi, down there from Clemson. It's celebrating at the moment. He'll be back uh, next month down there at Clemson University. So, Nick, how are you this evening? Nicky, baby, I'm doing great. 
doing great. Uh, we should keep talking Eagles. Uh, I think I read a segment on Joe DeCamera's show that they're going to get Aaron Rodgers. So, hey, maybe we should uh, talk a little Eagles this, uh, tonight, and uh, let's uh, let's have a great show. Well, that indeed we shall do. And, of course, we have the man waiting there in the background. Again, Joe DeCamera, if you guys go to 94WIP, it'll take you out to their main page, and you click on shows, and there you see Joe DeCamera, John Ritchie, 10 to 2 weekdays. You can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and I believe also on Instagram, if I remember correctly. And, of course, here on Twitter, you can see the men, the geniuses themselves. And without further ado, it is Mr. DeCamera. Joe, how are you? Thank you for joining the show tonight. We do appreciate it. Hey, guys. It's uh, great to be with you. I love your passion for Philly sports, and uh, let's do it. How you doing, Joe? Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thank you, you coming much. on. It's my pleasure. I wish I had a great background behind me like some of you guys do. All I have is a mirror and a white wall, but you guys got <laughs> the banners and pennants, and uh, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. That's, yeah, not, I, a, that's not a two-way mirror, is it? No, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. I, trade, I trade places with you from 10 to 2 every day with Jimmy and John. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks you for got the life, my man. And thank you for the kind words. I, you know, look, we have a lot of fun with the show and, uh, you know, I feel fortunate to do it and it's just great to connect with people and stay connected, obviously during the pandemic. And, um, you know, it's, uh, the Philadelphia sports scenes, uh, you know, usually pretty robust with a lot of topics and themes and certainly lately has been no exception. I mean, frankly, it's been amped up, I'd say a couple levels lately. And, uh, so it's fun. I think we're in a pretty fun time right now. I think so too. And Joe, you got to look at it. I mean, we've, we know that 2018 was a whole different season than what we've seen in the past couple of seasons with the Birds, with the Phillies as well. The Phillies, ever since winning it back in 08, I mean, they, they've been doing things that they probably shouldn't be doing, but we're, I guess, the rebuilding stages when it comes to the Phillies. Sixers, of course, picked up Doc Rivers, which is absolutely fantastic. And Brett Brown, I know he did everything he possibly could do in Philly. We miss Brett to a certain extent, but Doc Rivers is doing a phenomenal job. So, yeah, and the Flyers, well, I hope the Flyers would have picked up where they did last year. Not so much this year. So maybe again, come next year, maybe the Flyers can pick up where they left off in you know pre twenty twenty. Who knows? But again, it's it's you know it's really fun to be. I think in Philly sports radio, I think it's also a lot of fun to be a fan in Philly because as much as we hear throughout the media, oh my God, you know nobody wants to come to Philadelphia anymore. It used to be team or destination Philly. Now it's not. I still feel like it is. And obviously, Howie Roseman, who did I think a pretty good job this time around compared to. to other times that we've seen picking up Devonte Smith, moving up to get him. I think he did an excellent job. So we're going to get into everything around the world when it comes to everything Philadelphia. So uh, more than anything else, I want to ask this very first question here because we see you, of course, in the Phillies lineup uh, just about almost every year. And of course we talk about when you get down to Clearwater. So are you doing it again this year? Uh, hoping to, uh, trying to figure it out timing wise, uh, but um, planning to if, if things uh, get aligned. But uh, I think it's likely, but just not at the finish line yet of knowing that answer. But I think so. Okay. And listen, I, I mean, I'll tell you guys, it's a great time. Fan Philly's fantasy camp's an amazing time. I'd rather you not show that photograph of me from that angle because it looks like <laughs> I got two chins there. I kind of like the one chin look more than the two chin look. Uh, Philly's okay. fantasy camp blast. Uh, I uh, feel free to show that picture. I'm obviously just joking. Um, it's bla it's a blast. I mean, you, you know, you play ball for, for three or four days. Uh, I was getting banged up with injuries two years in a row, uh, tore my groin, but you know, what are you going to do? Um, 
but it's really fun, man. I mean, you guys know what it's like to, to play and, you know, you get older and you become an adult and you, you know, you really don't play much anymore, especially baseball. I mean, baseball yeah. is not an easy, you know, basketball, you can, you can play pickup hoops, but pick up baseball. I mean, that's, that's not really the norm, you know? So to be able to, you know, get into the action for a few days with Phillies fantasy camp was, was really a thrill. No, I would. I've now. I, I haven't been fortunate enough to actually be part of fantasy camp, but I am fortunate at least to be down here at uh, down at Clearwater Thresher Stadium. I know they renamed it, and Lord knows I got to get the name of it all over again. But I'll be down there Saturday night for the first minor league game. Even though they start the season off on Tuesday, I'll be down there Saturday night and at least watching some baseball until I can see the boys again come next year. Hopefully, if everything goes well. So I, I would imagine fantasy camp. It, it it had to be a lot of fun because you got to figure. I mean, it's something that. A lot of us, as it's known as a fantasy, to have the ability to go down there and play, meet some of the, you know, I don't know if you got to meet, I, I know some of the ex-players or at least former Philly players like to attend if they possibly can as far as their schedule. So I don't know how many how many guys have you met that were either on the current roster or on the post roster as a Philly? Yeah, well, the, the current, so fantasy camp doesn't have any of the current players. Uh, every once in a while, if I remember, actually, I was going to say see a minor leaguer, but I might be getting that confused with being down there for spring training. So, you know, fantasy camp, I mean, it's it's basically the, uh, you know, the former players and it's great access to them. You know, I I, uh, I think they typically have about 20 former players. Uh, they're of, you know, pretty, pretty high prominence. Um, I remember two years ago in particular, one thing that to me stood out as such a, you know, really cool thing was uh, it was 10 members of the 93 Phils. So, I mean, look, you got 25 guys on a team, 93 fills, and you got 40% of them there. That was pretty special. I mean, for me, that was my team growing up. That was my favorite team in my childhood. Uh, honestly, I find it hard to believe there will ever be a Phillies team that I love more than the 93 fills. So to be around those guys and, you know, you're talking Milt and Stocker and Crocker and uh, Danny Jackson and uh, um, and Tommy Green. And it just it's a long list. And it's and it's great, man. Great people. Uh, Duncan, really, really, really fun times. Ricky Jordan's an awesome dude. So you're just hanging out with these guys. You know, you're learning some baseball from them. You're talking, you know, modern day baseball, old day baseball with them. You're just kind of living life for three or four days and playing ball. It really is an amazing experience. So I want to get to uh, a couple of comments here that the guys are going to bring it up. Bill McManus says, what's up, guys? Can't wait for uh, for this show, The Hammer Time. Uh, Bill also says was scared to death. Thought the hammer was going to do his show from the bathtub, and uh, I don't, I don't want to get electrocuted. You know, if you if you mix water and electricity, you could have a problem. So I, I just figured I'd better avoid that. Yeah, not that, that, listen, not, I, got a, I got a wireless computer, so I don't think I'd really get electrocuted. But you never, know. <laughs> you may not. You never know. <laughs> and AJ Johnson, of course, from the Rough Cut Sportscast. Those guys put on an amazing show. They'll be on uh, at, at eight thirty. So make sure you watch those guys as well. He says at Broad Street. Doc Rivers is killing it in Philly. That number one seed is so important for the Sixers. And we'll, listen, we'll see because the Nets have been, boy, oh, boy. They've been a major competition threshold for the Sixers this year. And Rick says, I sure hope to hear Joe tomorrow morning. And he doesn't sleep. He doesn't oversleep. Listen, they won't. I they hope won't not either. Job. Yeah, that got, me, that got <laughs> me in some trouble last time. I'm still trying to dig my way out of that one. Uh, <laughs> Angelo's got more movies for me to watch as punishment. But uh, – <laughs> Yeah, uh, you don't want to oversleep. I'll tell you that. And listen, honestly, guys, I, I, uh, I go to sleep every night fearful of it. I'm not kidding. I mean, the whole the whole time, I, I've always been someone who's just been afraid, of, of, you know, that I'll oversleep. And uh, that was a snafu. That you know, it was a, a damn cell phone reset. 
um, with the freaking phone and um, disabled the alarm clock. And I have since bought a second alarm clock. So I, I have a non cell phone alarm clock now, which hopefully will cover me in the future. But I've always worried about that. And frankly, I think I always will. It, it happens. It, it happens to everybody. It's the same way. I think the biggest time I ever get afraid is when we have the fallback spring ahead because you don't know if your phone's actually going to do it. So either you're going to show up an extra hour early to work or you're going to be running late behind one or two. So, I mean, it, it happens. It's happened to everybody. I'm pretty sure it's not, hopefully for you, not the, it'll be the last time. But for all of I us, hope. I'm pretty sure at one point or another, it's happened. Yeah. But, Joe, the one thing, in, and we know for those of us, at least, who have followed you for many, many years, we know that you got your start over at 97.5. Um, the afternoon, we, we would hear you many times over. And it, it always seemed like you were just destined for different things, you know, and, and to do better. Not knocking, of course, the other station whatsoever, because we still have listeners that listen to both, to 97.5 and 94WIP. So moving from, or at least when you got the call, almost like getting the call to the hall in, in all reality, did you know who you were going to be teamed up with, with John Ritchie? Or was it something that you weren't told prior to having your meeting over at WIP for the morning uh, for the midday show? Yeah, not initially. You know, initially it was it was just about um, you know talking to WIP about you know who knows what would happen and, and just kind of having a, a relationship established and um, yeah. So in, initially, no. The answer is I absolutely did not know. You know, the first time I met John, um, we had agreed to do the show, so we agreed to do it. I agreed, he agreed, independent of having met each other because we hadn't yet, and we uh, we met. Uh, Mike Esco and I drove about two hours west, which is where John was living at the time. And, you know, we had a uh, we had a lunch out there. And I'll tell you, and I've talked about this on the air many times, you know, that that lunch, especially the first half hour, I was thinking, oh, my God, what have I got myself into? Because all, all Richie would do is talk about the pizza we're eating. And it's like, you know, yeah, it's good pizza. And, you know, I, I enjoy good pizza, too. But like, you know, let's right. talk about us and each other and the show and what's going to happen and how are you and how's life and tell me about your family. and you know, I know you're a fullback, but what else is going on? And uh, it was bizarre. And, um, you know, and, and that's the way John can be. I mean, John can get in this, in this, uh, I don't want to say tunnel. I don't mean that in a negative way, but he, he can get engrossed. Right. And uh, he was certainly engrossed in his pizza. And um, so we've had some laughs about that since then, you know, but um, it's really been, uh, it's been great working with him. I, I love doing the show with John. I, I love being at WIP and, um, you know, obviously hoping to do it for, you know, hopefully many years to come. Well, there's a, there's a throwback uh, show that I'm going to put on later on. A national correspondent there, Ryan Neff, he brought it up. It, it was a good <laughs> segment between you and uh, and John. So we're going to bring that up just a little bit earlier when we get into some Eagles talk. Uh, great debate. I, I'll just put it that way so you kind of know uh, where it's going. But it had to deal with Carson Wentz. And <laughs> just a particular day, maybe, you know, you just got fed up a little bit. But we're going to have that on. It's a, it was a great one. And for uh, anyone who missed it, you guys are going to absolutely love it because I, I think it's probably the first time in a long time I heard anything explosive when it came from uh, Joe to Cameron. And it was just, it, it was great. I will say that much. And, and we look forward to it again. Another Eagle season. We know that you and John love to get into it, but it's so great though, because you guys truthfully, and, and again, I, I don't say this, like I tell my other guests, just because you guys are on, I dare for anyone to say there's a show better than the midday show at 94 WIP. And I say to Jimmy like all the time, what you guys end up doing and how well you guys sound together, how you guys work together. It's been like, it's almost like you guys been on for 15 years at the same station, even though you haven't been, you know, been on there that long, but 
kudos to you guys because you guys are every single day. There's even during the pandemic, you got to figure you guys had to come up with material during the pandemic because there was no sports whatsoever. You guys knocked out the park. So kudos to you and, and John for sure. Thank you. Just, well, the way he, just the way he was, just the way he was smiling just a little bit before. He already knows where this is going. He already knows. Where this is going. <laughs> no, I, I, I actually oh, don't. No? Oh, okay. I don't, uh, no, I thought earlier talking about Carson, but now look, guys, I, I appreciate the kind words, Angel. I really do. And, um, you know, I, I think, look, um, I've been at this for a while, and so I, I've been fortunate enough to kind of develop in the in the industry a little bit. Um, and, you know, having grown up here, I think um, certainly gives me, um, you know, an advantage, I would say, compared to anyone who hasn't grown up here. Obviously, most of us have around here. And um, so it's, it's just really easy and sort of natural for me to talk about the teams that I grew up uh, as a fan of and still am a fan of. You know, I think some talk show hosts, when they when they get on the air, they feel that they, they need to sort of disassociate themselves um, from right. being a fan, you know, and that's just not me. It, it, that's not the way I'm wired. I mean, if I if I didn't express my fandom, then I. Um, I'd be a lesser host and I just wouldn't be genuine to, 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 to my reality. I mean, the reality is that, uh, you know, these are the teams I love. And um, so I'm going to celebrate when they do good. I'm going to lament when they do bad. And um, we're going to talk about everything in between. And that's what we do. And, you know, I, I just, I, I feel fortunate that, you know, there's no doubt and a big credit to, you know, Spike Askin for, I think he had a vision and, you know, I don't know how he saw it, but the John and I think differently. Um, which obviously we do. I mean, there's some things we are very aligned with. There's some things we think very differently about. And I do think it's kind of created a, a neat dynamic. Um, so, you know, every day it's nice to go in and, and just kind of let it fly on any number of issues. And, you know, John has, has really become incredibly well-rounded on sports. You know, he, he initially came in, obviously, expertise heavily in football and still is. But, man, he has really picked up some of the other sports that he wasn't as sharp on initially. Um, and he's, he's an unbelievable talk show host. He really is. No, that is true. I, I mean, we, we hear it and I, I'm fortunate because even though I'm down here in Tampa, but I'm able to, well, now it's audacity. If I remember correctly, the app is switched over from radio.com. Um, but I'm fortunate to at least to be able to at work when I can put on that one Bluetooth in one ear and listen to what my coworkers are talking about in the other ear. But it, it, it's amazing how John has come around like full circle from all the different venues as far as what goes on in Philly. The, uh, the the funny part is whenever he come, he talks about either bands or something else or movies, when you guys get into that, and th some it's surprising sometimes to hear the movies that you don't know that all of us have seen. And it's like, how did Joe not know that movie? So to me, that it's always a fun part. But that's what makes a great show. And honest to God, it's what it does. And that's why I say, listen, again, it, I think it's one of the better shows that's out there in Philly market. So there's a couple of comments I want to read, but there's also one more thing that I want to say before I, I switch over to my guys. The Digital Underground, if I remember the name of the place correctly down there in Philly, right in Center City, there was, if you remember the talent show, first annual talent show you guys had. So I mean, and, and only, and only. There was no that's second true too. <laughs> That's true too. But I remember that night I met you and John, and, and John, you're correct. As far as when he gets to talking to you, he will like zone you in exactly what, what, either the question that you had or the topic that he's talking about. But I do remember that night when you guys were up on stage and then you came down, there was the Papa shot. I was just telling Nick, our, our beat writer. And it was funny to watch you with your shoes, your khakis and your shirt. Just take these guys on. Like it was no big deal. And it, even though you could have turned around and said, okay, who's next? Like you didn't, but it was just funny to watch you school these guys on a Papa shot with shoes on. I just thought that was incredible as well. But I ended up talking to you that night 
Um, we had a pretty good conversation for about a good quick five minutes as obviously everybody wanted to talk to you, but it was a, that was a great night. That was a fun talent show. And I, I remember it was a comedian that was pretty good. And I believe one of the guys that rapped as well that evening, but it was a good show overall for the town that came out. It turned out to be pretty good. Yeah, no, it was fun, you know, and that was, that was a point for us, you know, we were trying to find our legs as a show and sort of connect with people and, um, talent show seemed like a neat way to kind of try something different. And, uh, it was fun. That was, that was a great venue that night. We had a nice turnout, great people, man. I mean, Angel, yourself and others. And, um, you know, to me, that's so much of what a lot of this is about, which is just connecting with people, getting to know people on a personal level. I think that, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, we have a lot of repeat callers. Obviously we have uh, new callers, um, you know, probably every day I would think, but we also have a lot of repeat callers. And so you sort of establish a, a, a connection with the callers and a relationship. And I think by way of that, I, I think I can't prove this, but I think it kind of creates a little bit of a relationship with the audience because I, I would sense that the audience, you know, I know this having grown up listening myself, you know, as a child, the audience can come to sort of expect certain things based on uh, what they've heard before. So I think a combination of um, things that people can rely on, but also spontaneity and uh, unexpected uh, new developments, you know, can create a dynamic with a show that, that, you know, hopefully can, can be good and successful. And, um, you know, that's what we try to do. Right. Well, again, keep it up, man, because it, it is you. absolutely I appreciate fantastic. It, I really do. I really, really appreciate it. All right. You're welcome. Uh, I want to get back to a couple of, again, before we move on to my other guys here. Uh, Ducky says that he has a question uh, for you. If everyone knows when camp starts and if they're going to allow people to go there and if, if I guess if everyone can go together or if it's going to be separate, because I know we're trying to do this vaccine, non-vaccine thing. So Joe, I don't know if you've heard anything as far as uh, from the Eagles camp, whether what they're planning on doing. No, I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, I think that, um, I mean, aside from before camp, you got to figure out if there's going to be OTAs. I don't even know if that's decided. Um, I mean, I know the players don't want to do the voluntary ones, so I guess there won't be voluntary ones because most of the teams in the league, including the Eagles, have said they're not going to do it. So I guess that's that. Um, so I suppose in the summer, all you're going to have, I mean, prior to training camp, all you're going to have is the uh, the one mandatory camp, uh, which I believe is three days, maybe it's four. Uh, I think right. that's sometime in June. And and then you're going to get to training camp, I guess, late July. Um I don't know. I mean, guys, I don't even know if we're going to have preseason games. I mean, I would tend to think we will, but, you know, you can make the case that they don't have to happen. Um, so I, I guess we're going to we're going to know more in the coming weeks. But I, I would tend to think that we'll have preseason games. Look, I'll tell you one thing. I'm hoping we have preseason games. And I say this independent of the pandemic. What I mean is I found last year the build up to the season lacked mm -hmm. a certain juice in large part. Look, it, Society was down, and to a certain extent still is. But it, it wasn't just that. Not having preseason games, I thought, stripped away sort of awareness about the Eagles. Uh, I mean, I remember last year, the week before the season, like five days before the season, four days before the season, a lot of us, myself, I think a lot of us were like, I can't believe the Eagles start in two days. I can't believe the Eagles play tomorrow because we hadn't even seen them in a preseason game. So I, I just – I really hope we have the preseason games um, – you know, I know from a sports talk radio standpoint, I really um, enjoy them. You know, I've for years, like many, kind of signaled, uh, hey, these games are so stupid. The guys don't play. What's the point? But then in the absence of them, I really felt the absence of them. I mean, I felt like 
we lost out on the chance to evaluate rookies, uh, the yeah. chance to starters for a quarter. I didn't like it. I, I really, I, I look forward to when preseason games are back. Well, you're right because I mean, this technically this year's last year's Eagles rookies are going to be rookies in training camp because, as you said, there are no many camps, no OTAs, and no, yeah, really no preseason and, at all. And, and and think of it this way. So like the preseason games, that's how we knew as of, for instance, and you got to go back to, I think it's 2017, the year the Eagles won the title. Um, like that's how we knew Danell Pumphrey stunk. I mean, you know, I mean, most people aren't at training camp. And even if you're at training camp, I mean, how much can you really see? I mean, they're not hitting anything. Like how do you know Danell Pumphrey stinks? But I just remember the first preseason game that he played that year, it was so obvious right away. Like, oh, this, this guy can't play. So I just hope we get back to that point where you can make those evaluations. Hey, but Joe, how many, how many, see, I'm on the flip side. I could never stand preseason games, yep. you know, and, and these, you know, these guys and I have had discussions about, I always felt like you should put like two, two preseason games away for the starters that you know are going to start, let them get the feel for one another, let them play full games. And then maybe the other two games are for the rookies to evaluate. And, you know, maybe you can plug some starters in and see how they look. But now with the 17th game, it's just too damn long for some of these guys. And you know what will happen with the 17th game, Joe, and I've said this before, just like with college, you know damn well other than the bye week. There are guys that are going to come up with phantom crap so that they don't have to play another game. I know some people don't believe that, but it does happen in college, and I think it's going to happen in the NFL. So how many preseason games are too much and how is too little? Well, let's look to me, two or three preseason games is the way to go. Um, so I'll start with that. I don't know if it's the right numbers, two or three, but I would say two or three. I think regarding the 17th game, look, I worry about football as it relates to basketball and guys now, you know, obviously just choosing to sit out. It's really not part of the code of pro football to this point. You're right. It could become the code. I hope not. I don't fear that happening soon. I really don't. What I do have concerns about soon is I think, you know, the more games you have, it's just mathematically what it is, the greater the likelihood that at the end of the season, you'll have a team that rests players. So I don't foresee, like, if you're talking about, hey, it's week six and a star quarterback doesn't want to play because he's ticked off that there's 17 games in the season, he's not going to play. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think that – I mean, take the 4 Eagles as an example. They're 13-1. and one. They shut it down for the final two weeks. They lose both those games. Obviously, we all know they could have won both those games. They lose them. didn't really matter. T.O. had gotten hurt versus, uh, versus Dallas, you know, the 15th uh, week, the 14th game. So Andy's like, all right, the heck with it. We're shutting it all down, which I do think was the right decision. But now, if something like that happens, if you've clinched, are you really shutting it down for three weeks? And if you're shutting it down for three weeks – and that's going to happen sometimes. I mean, there's some, you know, there, you know, there are times where a team, um, you know, you can see that, that they're headed that way already sometimes. And so if you shut it down for three weeks and you get the buy, now you're talking about basically not playing a game for, for five weeks, which is a month. And now you really have a situation like college football where, you know, the guys have to, you know, the real players have to stay active somehow, some way without a game, like a bowl game. So I don't like it. And, and I, look, guys, I don't really care much of it. I don't, I don't personally care about the implications for fantasy football. I know there's some people that will, 
I think it's going to create an odd dynamic if teams are shutting down players and, you know, the second to last week of the season becomes a fantasy football championship week. I don't know, but that's not, that's not really the league's concern. I don't think, but I just, to me, look, guys, let's just be real. All the 17th game was, was a money grab. There's three entities in sports. There's the owners, there's the players, and there's the fans. And as always happens, the money that gets generated gets divided up between the owners and the players and the fans get nothing out of it. I mean, you know, you can convince me that 17 games is a great move if you said that season ticket prices get lowered and people that are putting freaking hard-earned money on the table to support multi-multi-multi-millionaire athletes, some of whom make $100 million, I'd say, okay, 17 games, but, you know, Frank and Sam and Sue's ticket price just came down and T-shirt price came down. Well, you guys know the deal. That never happens. So the pot of money split up between the players and the owners, and all it was was a money grab. That's all it is. And I, and I and that disappoints me because it's not about the product. It's really not. It's just not. It's about money. That's all it is. Well, just the way you're saying about the owners and the players, I mean, the money coming from the networks too. And I think well, they well, said that's that. My, that's, that's my point. I mean, no matter where it comes right. from, and the networks is the primary generator of the money, giver right. of the money. But, it, you know, I mean, yeah, the, the tickets and the concessions and the parking is chump change compared to a whole extra week of, uh, of, of, you know, CBS and Fox and NBC, right. you know, so yeah, it's just, I mean, it raises extra billions of dollars. And right. so it's just, I guess I get annoyed sometimes when the commissioner will talk about, you know, we're doing this for X, Y, and Z reason and a whole state like, you know, it's good for the growth of the game. And, but it's like, but that's not why you're doing it. You're just doing it to make money and divide it up. That's that's the only reason you're doing it. Does the 17th, does the 17th game make any sense to you? Cause I know it doesn't to me. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I don't think it's necessary. I mean, guys, I apply the cookie rule to it and this has <laughs> been my, this has been my theory for years. So the first cookies, tremendous i mean it's the first cookie and then you get to the third cookie and you're still going pretty strong you get to the fifth cookie you're like you know what i, I do love this brand of cookie but i've had four of them now i'm going to keep going here i like this cookie but right, now i'm on the cookie six at some point you get to like cookie eight or nine and you're like i can't have another cookie now it's the same product as the first cookie but at some point you get tired of it i'm not saying that that's going to happen to football with 17. I don't think 17 as opposed to 16 is like that big a difference. And it's not like our stomach where we actually get full of cookies. But right. what I am saying is sometimes more of something good isn't better. And in my opinion, I don't think the NFL product will be better with 17 games. It's more, but I don't think it means it's better. And I do think, I do think it's rough on the players, you know, their bodies, and obviously all the NFL did here was divide and conquer the union because they put a package on the table that the lower earning NFL players and most NFL players are lower earning players. I mean, for all the Aaron Rodgers, you got a lot of guys that are, you know, the bottom end of the roster making less than a million. They know they're only going to be in the league for two or three years, if not their only year. And so if you put, if you put, you know, that, that C, you know, that, that package, of expansion as the NFL did last year in front of all those guys and say, Hey, you get a, a whole extra week of paycheck. By the way, it's even more than an extra week of paycheck because the lower end guys came up more than the top end guys came up with the 17th game. The whole thing was a sham. They divided the union and they conquered them. And you know, it was, it was a brilliant strategy by the league, but I just found it kind of disingenuous. Like you said, the guys on the bottom, even like the practice squad guys. 
Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, think about it. The practice squad guy gets the same vote as Aaron Rodgers. Now, the right. practice squad guy probably is going to be on the practice squad during the game. The practice squad guy that voted for that, a bunch of them won't even be in the league in 2021. They're going to be out of the league. They got to vote, but they're going to be out of the league. They're never going to play in the right. league again. Aaron exactly. Rodgers and, and you know Patrick Mahomes, who has 15, 17 years to go in his career, he's the one that has to play 17 you know, extra games over the next 17 years. And, right. you know, I, I just thought it was kind of stupid. Well, Joe, let me let me ask you this. Um, you touched a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. What are your thoughts on NFL starting to come more like the NBA in terms of player empowerment? Yeah, I'm not a fan of it. I mean, as a fan, um, I'm not a fan of players not wanting to um, sort of, um, you know, hold up their end of the bargain with the deals they've signed. Um, now, look, I get it. Leverage is leverage and power is power. And people have been using leverage and power in all walks of life as long as we've been alive and longer. Um, so I understand why it happens, but you know, I think a lot of these NFL players will find that um, they don't hold the same leverage as NBA players. And um, that's largely because, you know, NBA players at a basic level, all an NBA player that's a annoyed NBA player, all he really has to do is find one guy in the league to team up with. Um, you know, whether it's go to a guy's team or, or meet up at a team with someone coming from over here and you're coming from here and, hey, let's go to that team and meet up. And, you know, you can quickly turn around the fortunes of a team. But, to you know, I don't think they care about turning around the fortunes of a team. All they care about is making it easier on themselves to compete for a championship. And, you know, that's respectable. But the way they get there, I don't find particularly respectable. So, you know, I think that the NFL, 53-man roster, 22 starters – um, I, I just don't think it'll lead to the same sort of player movement. Um, so I, I worry about it, but I don't think it'll have as dramatic an influence in pro football as it has in pro basketball. It seemed like it last year when everybody flocked to uh, Tampa Bay when Brady went there. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, see, so and Richie would talk about that. Like he would refer to them as a super team. It's not a super team. I mean, Gronk – was in his 30s. I right. mean, Gronk wasn't even making that much money. You know, like, I guess my point is, seeing the NBA, you can go over the cap and all that sort of stuff, and it really mm -hmm. only takes two or three players. LeBron and Anthony Davis right. are a clear example. Um, football, with the, the cap, the nature of how it is, like there's never going to be a scenario where – let me put it this Let me put it this way. If Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Donald, and um, – uh, who's the best running back in football right now? Um, Derek Henry. Yeah, whoever you want to put. You know, the guy in New Orleans, McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, whoever, whoever. Like, if they wanted to team up together, first off, it's almost impossible to configure that. Right. But additionally, then you're just going to take such an enormous chunk of your salary cap. And when that's three players – where 22 guys have to start, that's not going to create the advantage like in the NBA where it's two or three players where only five guys start. So exactly. I don't I don't think it'll have the same impact in pro football as pro hoops. Okay. Okay. There's a couple of comments here I want to get back to, and these comments are also brought to you by – and Joe hit the word here a little bit earlier. We said champion when we referred back to the Eagles' 2018 season. And speaking of champions, if you want to travel like a champion – 
Go to fansaffiliate.com, fansaffiliate.com. If you guys want to go to Vegas, Denver, out to Atlanta, travel with our sponsor, the official sponsor of Broad Street South, fansaffiliate.com, and travel like a champion. Also, you can call Joe at 610-517-7171, 610-517-7171. So go to fansaffiliate.com. You can also go through it through our website at broadstreetsouth.com. So a couple of comments here that I want to get to. You're talking about basketball, and I did see one that's coming up here by Bill McManus. And he says, Hammer, why do you think the Nets are going to the finals? These guys haven't gelled, and they may not make it past the Bucs. Look, it's a great question um, because I've been pretty clear the whole time about it that I think they'll make it, the Nets. And the reason is just offensive firepower. I mean, I don't know how to say it any more succinctly than that. I, I think the offensive brilliance of those three players in a playoff series will overpower the Sixers. I don't mean overpower in a way that they dominate the Sixers and sweep the Sixers, but I think they will beat the Sixers. Um, I do recognize the fact that the Sixers home court advantage is is a, you know, it's a significant factor, especially if you get to late June when that series is going to get played. And I don't know, 10,000 people at the Wells Fargo Center, 15,000. I don't know. But, you know, you're going to have more than you have right now. Uh, I'm excited about that. Um, maybe it won't be as high as 15, but you guys know what I mean. It'll be increased. Um I think that the fact that the Nets haven't played together is a great thing for the Sixers. I mean, those guys have only played seven games together. Um, you know, we were talking today on the show about how, you know, LeBron and Wade and Bosch hadn't quite, you know, clicked year one. They did make the finals and they played 82 games together. I mean, I don't know if it was actually 82 games, but they played the bulk of a regular season game, you know, regular right. season together and then, you know, through the playoffs. But, you know, you could see in that series with the Mavs, they weren't totally clicking on all cylinders, primarily because of LeBron at that point. And um, yeah. I, I totally hold out hope that Brooklyn not having played much together could be the difference to get the Sixers to the finals. But I just, you know, honestly would say that, you know, my money would be on Brooklyn's firepower to outgun the Sixers. Joe, when you touch on Brooklyn Nets not playing the big three, not playing together, really if you look at the Sixers starting five with all the injuries – you know, the past couple months, I think it's only been like close to 30 games and the starting five have really played together too. It's in that 30 game range or something. It was recently. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know it was that low. I would have guessed 45 or something, but you could totally be right. And, um, but I do think they've been, look, they've been around each other the whole year. Um, but I, I get your point. I mean, but I, I, to me, I, I guess, Part of why I think it is an advantage for the Sixers in particular is with Brooklyn, you're talking about three alpha males. I mean, you know, the reality is Danny Green, whether he's played 50 games with Joel Embiid or 80 games with Joel Embiid, Danny Green knows his role. Go stand in the corner and wait for the ball to get passed off. Like, okay, you know. Um, when you got three guys like like Harden, Durant, and, uh, and, and Kyrie, I, I think there's a – a cohesiveness that they would like to achieve based on ball dominance. That's a little trickier. So I do think it's pretty significant, but you know, they're going to have two rounds in the playoffs to gear up for the Sixers. I mean, they really honestly don't even have to play whichever of them. They don't want to play in the first round. They'll beat whoever they plays the seven seed, you know, the two seven matchup. And um, you know, but they'll get, I mean, look, it's tremendous for the Sixers guys that they're going to be the one seed and not have to play Milwaukee in the second round. That is fantastic. I mean, I expect the Sixers to dispatch the Knicks or whichever team they play in basically five games. 
you know, you could even have a scenario where if the Sixers are up 3-0 in the second round, if they wanted to sit and bead, if they thought it would be a wise course of action, you actually could. I mean, if you're up 3-0, probably doesn't matter much. You might lose game four, come back game five and take care of business. Um, so I love the fact that, you know, Brooklyn should get pushed by Milwaukee a little bit there. I, th I think that's fantastic. And by yeah, the way, I don't, know if you guys, I don't know if you guys have noticed or just kind of looked at it or thought of it off the top of your head, but, you know, I hadn't even thought of it in these terms until about a week ago. And I said it all, I was going through my mind. I said it on the show. I'm like, Oh my God, you know, the Sixers, they're definitely going to the Eastern conference finals, getting the one seed. There's no doubt. They've only been in the Eastern conference finals one time since they made it in 85. Right. And that of course was 01 when they made the finals, but it just goes to show how frankly lame the Sixers have been for most of the last 35 years that they've only made. I mean, think how many times the, the like the Eagles have made that round. Oh, one. 02, 03, 04, 08, and 17. That's 17. six times. You know? Yeah. They made it one time since 85? Come on. Well, I got All a right. two-parter for you here. <clears throat> and I'm sometimes my bluntness gets me in trouble sometimes. But um, So do you think that they should both keep Simmons and Embiid? Because – there's times where it doesn't work. And the second part is, what do you think about Embiid in general? Because there's a lot of times where I just feel like he really isn't a team player at heart. He just seems selfish a lot of times about himself. You know, and I don't know what other Sixers fans think, but I have this argument with my Sixer friends all the time. It's like, it, it, it looks like he can do the right thing when it comes to the team, but there's other times where he gets asked questions, you know, Oh, I am the MVP, and it's all about – it's always I, 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 I that comes out of his mouth most of the time. And I just wanted to get your take on it. Yeah, I'm not bothered by it with Joel. Um, I'm really not. I, If he played a selfish brand of basketball on the court, then I would uh, say that your theory, you know, holds more weight with me. Um Look, I think the guy, what I see out there is he's he's totally into the team with how he plays ball. I think one critical thing here is he really wants to lead the Sixers. I mean, I, I'm really impressed with um, the ownership I, I find that he places the franchise on his shoulders. I think it's really impressive. I think there's some athletes, you know, we touched on a little bit with some athletes that, you know, run from the responsibility of, of kind of anchoring in. Um, and you know, MBC seems anchored in. I mean, we're going to have to resign him in a couple of years and hopefully they can do that. But, um, I worried more, not about what you're talking about per se. Um, but over the last couple of years, I worried about Embiid sort of having misplaced, um, I mean, beyond sort of the immaturity and is he truly in shape for the playoffs? And, and that was a huge thing, but I worried also a lot about, um, has he thought that he's arrived before he's truly arrived? And mm -hmm. and what that, you know, I mean, the, the reality is Joel Embiid has played the Boston Celtics twice in the playoffs, and the Celtics have won eight games, and Joel Embiid has won one game. Like, that's not so good. So I want him to burn with that, you know? And um, I think a lot of times you get, you know, the modern athletes, and they feel a sense of entitlement based on, you know, I mean, look, guys, if, if, if we had a $150 million contract that was guaranteed, we'd probably feel pretty entitled too. Um, I, I feel like Embiid has uh, toned down his rhetoric a pretty good amount this year. Um, so I really don't worry about what you're talking about there. 
I really don't. As far as Ben and Joel, um, I mean, look, you got to run through this playoff and then reevaluate because obviously you can't trade Ben now. Um, I would tend to think that uh, a trade of Ben will, will probably ultimately be the best thing for the Sixers. Um, but I also recognize that, you know, that's not so easy to do. I mean, when you trade a, I won't even call Ben um, like a real star because I don't think he's a real star. I mean, he's a star in name, but I don't think he's got that level of impact. He's very good, but not that level of impact. It's just not easy sometimes. I mean, it's, it's easy to say, you know, like trade Ben Simmons for Devin Booker. Okay, great. Trade him for Donovan Mitchell. Cool. But if the other team doesn't say yes, and once you go through those five or six names, you know, Donovan Mitchell, uh, you know, Tatum in theory, if you wanted to say that, um, uh, Bradley Beal, like once you rifle through those five or six names, if the other team has said no, then it's like, well, then what are you going to do? Are you going to trade them for parts? Or are you going <laughs> to, you know, so I, I think it's still to be determined for, for next season, obviously in large part how the playoffs go. Um, whether you trade them for one guy that's like, this is your guy you're trading them for. Are you trading them for parts, which I don't find particularly appealing. Um, right. You know, and, 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 and the thing to me about parts is the NBA doesn't lend itself to that too effectively. I mean, when you trade the perceived best player, it usually doesn't work out for you. Obviously, like as a, for instance, it worked out phenomenal for the Flyers in 95 when they traded the perceived best player, Mark Recchi for LeClaire and Desjardins. Like that was, okay, we're trading the better player for two lesser players. And it just so happened LeClaire completely took off and Desjardins was a stud defenseman for a decade. So like that one totally worked out. But in the NBA, I don't think there's a ton of history of trading the better player for two or three players and having it work out too good for a team. And and that's, that's the trick. Um, can the Sixers, if they need to pull it off, can they? And that's not easy to do. You know, then, and then there's the, you know, just sort of go in a totally different direction. Like, for instance, and this is before I was born, but my brothers had told me, like, when Doc and McGinnis weren't totally gelled, you know, because they were both, you know, ball-dominant players, and the Sixers traded McGinnis for Bobby Jones, and obviously that created far better balance for the Sixers because Doc could do the scoring and Bobby Jones could be out the best, you know, offensive player on the other team. So, I don't, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the Sixers manage it. I just think that um, it's a conversation we'll probably be reevaluating when the Sixers are eliminated by Brooklyn, honestly. No, I agree. And I, there's a couple comments here that I want to get to before uh, we, we Sorry for get the long to the. You, by the way, you guys ask me questions. I get going sometimes. I can try to shorten it up. <laughs> but, uh, you're, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine, Joe. No problem. Appreciate um, you coming along. Just, just, wait till you get, just wait till you get the one above me going. You're, you're nothing. <laughs> you're yeah. nothing. So uh, Mike Klein, who is the owner of uh, Philly to South, he says, greetings from Tampa, Philly to South. Go Eagles. I try to listen to the guys every day. Mike Klein group, by the way, Joe, just to let you know. So if, if you ever come down to Tampa and you go to Tampa Joe's, it's a bar restaurant out right by the airport, like five minutes away from the airport. The biggest Eagles fan base that you will find down here down south. Kind of hint wow. the name of Broad Street South as far as the show. Cool. So, Very nice. Man. Well, I've been to, I've been to an, uh, an Eagles bar in L.A., Great, great place called the Shack, and um, I think I've been to some pretty Philly-centric bars in New York, but never in Florida. So that'll be, you know, other than the Tiki Bar, you know, the Phil's facility, obviously. 
Yeah, no, it gets packed. It's it's a lot of fun, and it's everyone who was from the Delaware Valley. So, and even some people who were born down here in Florida, which we were kind of amazed. They're Eagles fans, you know. Go figure, because again, the Bucks, yeah, they did it, but whatever. Uh, so Rick says, hard to believe that Eskin is seventy years old. Thank goodness for Audacity available in Tampa. Listen every day before work. If ever flying Southwest to Tampa, say hello. So, and Rick, a huge, huge fan of the show. Ducky came back. Nope, sorry, not Ducky. There was one more. That I did see Thomas. Thomas, 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 where are you, buddy? He said, hi, guys. Oh, here it is. <clears throat> he says, I'd like to thank you, Joe, for getting me through my mornings and afternoons. Well, my pleasure, man. Uh, thanks for listening. And, um, yeah, major thanks to everyone that, that um, stayed with us through the pandemic. I mean that. I really, really genuinely mean that because, you know, we needed each other at that time in particular, those four months, no sports. You know, it was um, definitely a challenge to kind of, you know, keep the conversation moving with no games. And um, it was just a really unique time. And I, I, I felt a real uh, connection with people that would call, people that would tweet, and just knowing that people were listening. It was it, – it, it meant a lot to me. I'm pretty sure everybody – just it, it's the same way, too. We appreciate you guys. I mean, I know – you know, we can do it as far as us right here on the show for fun, and we try to do the best we possibly can. But it's different when you guys, I mean, you guys are getting paid for it. Obviously, it's your full-time job. And I couldn't even imagine trying to come up with stories during that pandemic because, again, when there's no sports, it's like, okay, what can you do next? What can we talk about next? You guys did an amazing job. So believe me, don't don't sell yourself yes. short, too, because as much as we had fun listening to you guys, you know, it, it it's, you know, full circle. But uh, as far as Fuji, yeah, Fuji is, and I'm going to get to your throwback <laughs> radio here. Uh, Fuji is a humongous fan of Howie. So if you ever run into Howie, tell Howie that Fuji, that's his number one fan. And I say that in jest because <laughs> he is not a Howie lover whatsoever. <laughs> but I, I will try, I will try to remember that if I see him. <laughs> sure. But Here's the one that uh, Ryan was talking about earlier. So hopefully everybody will hear this. I'm pretty sure I got the volume up. Here's his throwback call. Carson Wentz is not good. Okay. He's not good. Okay. What do you say to the fact that we have seen Carson be good before? What do you say to it? Doug has ruined nah, Carson. I don't buy that. For Why is it that Doug gets off the hook? He's the offensive coordinator. I, I just Last don't night, buy it. we faced the worst rush defense that's probably ever taken the field in the NFL. We were running the ball for 10 yards a clip to start the game, yet somehow we we got away from the run. There's no doubt. That, that's that's the, on Doug. There's no doubt about Doug that. Doug is the guy calling the plays. Doug is the guy in charge of what plays are in the game plan. What about the fact that the Cowboys defense was the first team in the history of the NFL to give up 20-plus points in the first half in six straight games, and we scored seven? It's the quarterback. What about the it's fact? The quarterback what about the fact? that that defense this season was given up 34, 35 points a game. And our offense scored 15 on him. He's the offensive coordinator. Yes, he's in charge of those plays being run on the field. He's in charge of the quarterback who just showed us again how abysmal he has become. Doug is in charge of that outfit. Not just the team, but the offense. That's his focus. We don't have an offensive coordinator. 
they they set it up for Doug to basically hang himself this year as the guy. And, and, and we said this, and you acknowledged this, Joe. You said, well, we're going to see if Doug sinks or swims, right? As the offensive coordinator, what do you have to say for that now? If he had, is he if, sinking or is he swimming? John, if he had a real quarterback, they probably would have scored thirty last night. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I mean. I, I bring it's it. His job to uh, make that quarterback real. It's it's ultimately how he's and job that to quarterback, get a new quarterback has proven in the past that he can be yeah, that he, quarterback. You know what? So what happened there? Uh, well, he just forgot. Like he's, like he's. John, he's he's, he's he's now listen, not hold good. on, hold on, no, hold on, no. he's now not good. Everybody listen. Carson stinks. Joe, I'm not All right, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I gotta get this off my chest. Everybody listen to me. Carson Wentz is horrible. He is a terrible starting quarterback in the NFL. I cannot hate this anymore. Yes. The guy stinks. No kidding. All right? He's horrible. Do you think that's news to anyone? Do you think that's news to me? Apparently it is to you, John, because you're going on this Doug rant. Give up a real quarterback and see what happens. Yeah. Carson stinks. What's he doing with Jalen Hurts? What's he doing? He's getting him ready. He's developing him. I don't know if Hurts is going to be any good or not. You have faith that Doug can develop a quarterback now? I've seen Doug destroy a quarterback. (laughs) I told you after the second game this year that Carson was not going to be the quarterback in 2022. And a lot of people thought I was crazy, and that's fine. You can have whatever opinion you want. Carson is not going to be the quarterback in 2022. He might not even be the quarterback week 16 this year if they actually have a shot, which they're going to. This this is insane how bad he's been. It is insane. It's insane that you somehow have blinders on that absolve Doug of any culpability here. Listen, man, I will listen to everyone. I'll just put it that way. But I, I had to get it off my chest. I cannot take it anymore. <laughs> now, I have a question for you because I was the I, I told these guys about that because I remember the day that it happened. Now, I was in sports radio about 20, 21 years ago, and this is the question I wanted to ask. 20, 21 years ago, you couldn't do that, Joe. You could not do that. You had to be a little bit more – but now, because everything has changed, was that the fan coming out, or was that a combination of radio personality fan? As I know, this is these are the kind of conversations that I have with my friends at the bar. That's what yeah. it sounded like to me. Two guys sitting at the bar having a drink, just talking football. So that was two different things. That was my – both of which were totally genuine, by the way. Number one, my absolute utter – I'm actually I'm going to give you three things. It was three things. Number one, my absolute aggravation and frustration with watching Carson play football in 2020. I think we were roughly halfway through the season at that point. I don't remember exactly what week. Uh, I couldn't take it anymore. I mean, it was it – was, I'd rather get a root canal. I mean, the, the Eagles offense was pathetic, and the single biggest reason was because of Carson. I couldn't take it. That was number one. Number two was because that particular day, and you, you kind of heard it there in that clip, and believe me, there was stuff prior to that clip. John just was not letting me talk. And it's like, <laughs> like I'm like, I got to get this off my chest. And, I'm, and, and I, I wasn't even planning on doing that. Like, I just wanted to express my aggravation and watching Carson play. And he just kept 
he kept interrupting me. <laughs> and, and I also thought his logic was flawed. Like he's doing this whole Doug thing. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, maybe Doug's taking some steps back, but can we acknowledge that Carson's horrible? And he seemed to not really go there. At one point I said, Carson stinks. And he said, we all know that, but I don't think he did know that. See, that was my point. I don't think he, he actually did know that. So my, my, the, the reason I erupted honestly was primarily out of my own frustration that I just wasn't being allowed to just talk without being interrupted. And I love John, but you guys know what I mean. Sometimes you're just in a, in a discussion and the other guy doesn't want to talk. So I was so freaking mad. The third point, and this ties it all together. I was, and John exemplified some of this in that sequence there. I was sick and tired of people not understanding what their eyes were telling them. I mean, I, I've never seen an athlete play worse and for a good long stretch of a season, half the year, whatever it was, there were like hundreds of thousands or millions of people that were acting like it wasn't his fault. And I'm like, guys, I understand there's other stuff going on here that's bad. I understand that offensive linemen have gotten injured. I understand that, you know, Doug's offense looks stale. I understand that the wide receivers aren't great. I'm not, I'm not like pushing that aside like it's not a factor. But if you're not willing to admit that Carson is inaccurate, has terrible footwork, is holding on to the ball leading to sacks, is holding on to the ball leading to fumbles, gives vacant answers in post-game press conferences that mean absolutely nothing and signify no sense of culpability or an understanding of how to diagnose the problem and find his way out of the maze. Like if you don't understand the reality of what's going on, and I think a lot of people didn't understand it. I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't take people not understanding it anymore. I just couldn't take it. So that's what that was. Well, that was a mixture. 2020 was just a damn dumpster fire from it was awful. when they were up 17, not in Washington, it was over. See, and that, that's the way that I wish a lot of other people who have sports radio shows, especially in their hometown, and they grew up rooting for them, that's the way sports radio should be sometimes. Because that's the way a lot of fans are, Joe, and you yeah. know what I'm talking about. I, but, I do. I, I do. So, I mean, moments like that definitely don't come along too often. And I think if they do, then I think you need to seek some help. Because if you get mad like that every day, you probably got a problem. But, um, you know, sometimes that that just comes out of you. And and that that explosion, man, I, I, I couldn't take it anymore. I just – and honestly, it felt good to get it off my chest. It just did. Yeah. yeah. I, I will say – I will say because it's the first time before we switch gears to the baseball and before uh, Fuji gets back to his question, it's never been done in the show before. But I think personally Joe deserves – a standing ovation only because that's the way we felt as fans. So, Joe, listen, this one definitely for me. I think you did a fantastic job. Call me nuts, but it felt fantastic with that rant. So that was, that was absolutely phenomenal. Well, thank you. Look, let me just say this about Carson. Um, I think he'll be better, in, and I appreciate it, guys. I appreciate the kind words. I think he'll be better in Indy. I don't think he'll be, like, way better. But I think he'll settle down a little bit and probably revert back toward toward an average range, maybe a little below average, maybe a little above average, but average-ish. But he just – and, I, you know, I've been hearing from people 
that he was difficult. I mean, I was hearing it from people that I knew I could trust. And, and, and I was trying to express that to people on the air. And, you know, it just was stunning to me. And then, you know, a lot of that stuff started coming out, you know, more in a reported sense and newspaper articles and all. And it just, I knew that he wasn't what people thought he was. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I honestly right. don't know enough to know. But I, I clearly knew from enough people that Carson was difficult behind the scenes. I knew it. I knew it. And I also knew that there was a reason the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts. And see, so many people got wrapped up in it being a dumb draft pick. And they didn't examine why did they draft Jalen Hurts. Right. And it was so obvious to me, based on what I had heard of Carson's difficulties, based on the injury history, based on the fact that he had played, I think it was five snaps in three Eagles trips to the playoffs, five plays in the playoffs, and based on the fact that we knew the NFL was headed towards 17 games, and based on the fact that Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman have extensive history of the Eagles needing to go to a backup quarterback. So many people missed the why of why Hertz was drafted, and it spoke to volumes to me about what they thought of Carson even a year ago. The only thing I'll say real quick – That's before he fell apart. The only thing I'll say real quick, Angel, and I pointed this – this is my own opinion on this. I thought when Frank Reich left, he did not have anybody to turn to in confidence anymore. I thought it destroyed him. I thought that that was – and I was never big on Carson Wentz coming out of college anyway. I just didn't think he had the tools. But I thought Frank was that that quarterback who was in bad situations who got thrown – that was able to deal with the kind of personality that he was. And when he went to Indy, it was over. That's, that, that's just, my so, no, I, I agree that it was, it was, it created a pretty seismic shift. I agree with that. But what I consistently came back to was it shouldn't create this seismic of a shift. Right. There's no quarterback I've ever seen that loses a head coach or an offensive coordinator or a quarterback's coach who just completely falls apart. I've just never seen it ever. So to me, it, it was, it explains some, but doesn't explain all. And, you know, it's like, I got so sick and tired of hearing people talk about, well, Carson's got to clean up his mechanics and he can't. And I'm like, well, then why doesn't he? I mean, I'm going to get going here again. It's like I am so sick and tired of people telling me all he's got to do is clean up the mechanics. Well, then clean them up. I mean, I, I couldn't take the inaccurate passes with one foot pointed this way, one foot pointed this way. I couldn't freaking take that anymore. No, it's true. Bill had, and I'm going to switch over to baseball here real quick, but he says, uh, Hammer, do you think it's possible that at 2017, his MVP play, then hurt, <clears throat> then gets hurt, full six into the bowl, they win it, ate him up, and he never recovered? Well, I mean, I think there's something in there, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, how much of a percentage of it is that. I don't know. But do I think that Nick Foles ascending to the heights that he did um, – you know, kind of shifted the ground beneath Carson's feet and made things uncomfortable for him? I think the answer is yes. 
Now, the reality is the team gave him the job right back, and they should have. What they right. should not have done, and I said it at the time, was rush him back from the recovery. I mean, you can make you can make the case that that was one of the two or three biggest mistakes the Eagles made in this whole in this whole thing. I mean, you know, that was a nine to twelve month recovery for a player who's believed to be a Ferrari, who had just played like an MVP the prior year, finished third because he only played. 13 games or 12 games, whatever it was, but obviously had an MVP type season, nine and 12 month recovery. And, you know, he was out there really quick after the nine month mark. And it struck me that he was rushing back to reclaim his job in part for the good reasons, the competitiveness. Hey, I want to be out there with my guys. It's a new season, but also sort of a, reclaim it from Foles and not let the city kind of, you know, stay attached to Foles and all. I, I just, I thought it was a huge mistake. I, I just thought the whole damn thing was poorly handled. I thought that when he was playing, see, you know, John would say when we later learned about the back injury in 2018, you know, like, you know, John would emphasize the greatness of Carson's, stick to itness, you know, to play through that injury for however many weeks he played through it. And, and that is very admirable. There is no question that Carson was an extremely physically tough player. There's no doubt about it, but um, it was stupid. I mean, it was just stupid. The guy had a freaking back injury. He, it was affecting his play. It was hurting the team and he just kept playing. And I thought it was, I, I wondered in the San Luquito article, when the term selfish was applied by some of Carson's teammates about Carson, I wondered how much of it was specifically that issue that Carson stayed in week after week with a back injury and almost completely sunk the season. Yep. That's true. So I, I want to switch it over to when, as far as it comes to baseball, because I know Bill had another question as well. He says hammer with Wheeler, great start and win today, but do you think he is more number one than Nola? Uh, I wouldn't give him that credit yet. I think he's got a chance to ascend to that role. Um, you know, some people were sort of uh, – sorry, guys. Let me just move the camera. Um, some people were, were sort of ready to go there after the first week or two of the season, first start or two. And uh, I just – I need to see a little bit more to, to give that stamp of approval. Um, you know, the reality is it doesn't really matter right now. It really will only matter, honestly – you know, five months from now when the playoffs start, if there's a game one and you got to decide who starts. So it's a great thing to not have to really care about it for five months. I think that Wheeler has more um, better stuff in classical pitcher stuff terms, but I also know he's more inconsistent and his career has definitely demonstrated that. So, um, you know, I'm not too hung up on it yet. I think, I think the fact that the Phillies have an outstanding one-two punch is um is a fantastic thing for Phillies baseball. And and clearly it's very evident that when Nola Wheeler or Eflin start, for the most part they win. And when the other two guys start, you know, for the most part they lose. Right. I'd, I'd like to I'd like to speak briefly about that Sunday night crew um, who has covered a couple of the Phillies games this year. So you go earlier in the season when there was the controversial play at the plate, Phillies in Atlanta with Boom and Atlanta throwing all the stuff on the field. And the comment that was made 
was Philadelphia fans should be used to this. And I know a lot of people were aggravated by that, but go to last Sunday with the controversial home run with Reese Hoskins against the Mets. Now, I watched that game, and I clearly thought that it was a double watching the replays, but I didn't see anything that was thrown on the field. So what's up with these people in the Sunday night crew? Like, are they hanging on to this Eagles throwing snowballs at Santa for a little bit too long? I would love to hear your opinion on this. Totally agree. It's a cheap narrative. Look, we've had our share of incidents. We all know it. I think every town has. I don't know how ours stacks up to theirs, numerically speaking. Um, I just know that it's a cheap narrative. People hang on to it. It's not going to go away. It is. I agree with you. It's annoying. I also think it is a clear example, the fact that you brought it up, that Jason Kelsey, frankly, was not right. And I love Jason. He's unbelievable. He's a great player. He's a great guy. Um, But when Jason said, you know, we're from Philly and we don't care, the reality is we're from Philly and we do care. I mean, you care. I I hear you. You care. I care too. I mean, you were annoyed by those comments. I was annoyed by those comments. I'm annoyed by the narrative. We do care. It's one of those things that gets our ire up when people label us as such. And it, it annoys me. It's really, it's really a passion that we have. Just think about the other night when Joe Girardi made that lineup snafu with Enyel De Los Santos going into the game. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's 26 people on the roster. You're getting paid all this money. Management has a responsibility to get that right. Like, that's just completely unacceptable. He ended up bringing David Hale into the game. One guy gets on base. Second guy gets on base. Third guy gets on base. He's out of the game. JoJo comes into the game. And the, the game starts to spiral out of control. Fortunately, the Phillies found a way to end up winning that game with a 40-pitch ninth inning from Neris. But it's just – it's completely unacceptable when things like that happen. And ultimately, the five of us and you, we have passion for all of the sports. All because (laughs) we're down on Roman Quinn. We're down on Andrew McCutcheon. We're down on Aaron Nola as to whether he's a true ace or not. It's just our passion. We want to see this team win. The Phillies haven't been to the playoffs since 2011. So we just want to see it happen and have some passion. I, I, listen, I I totally agree. Um, like, I just think it's a cheap label, and uh, it bothers me too. And I agree with you. I mean, obviously our passion is unmatched. I think it's fair to say that Boston and New York are similarly wired to us. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm proud of, of being a Philadelphia sports fan, and I'm, I'm proud of caring as much as I do about the teams that I love. I mean, I remember the Flyers gave up a goal. Uh, 98 first round playoff series. It's my sophomore year in college. They give up the goal at the end of the first period. I think it only made it one, nothing. And I put my hand through a window. Now I didn't kind of intend to, I sort of like went like that. I wasn't punching the window but I was like you know it was like you know some kind of curse and like that and I went right through the window pane so you know I mean I care about these teams you guys care about these teams it's the way we are wired in this this area just we're what it Philly is. we wear our hearts on our sleeves that's what how we're is. born and branded in this town it's what that's it, is. How it is. is is Girardi the long-term manager for this Phillies team I don't know but I would tend to think he'll be here for a while I mean, I, I, you know, as I've been expressing over the last couple of weeks, I've had my um, concerns about how Girardi's handled some situations. 
I think, frankly, he's been a disappointment to this point. Um, you know, just because the Phillies have had a good week doesn't mean to me that he hasn't been a disappointment. I mean, you know, basic facts are, you know, the Phillies didn't make the playoffs last year and the Marlins mm-hmm. did. That's not good. Um, yeah. I, I think he's made some in-game blunders that have surprised me. I find him to be pretty uh, light on the players with what he says post-game. Uh, I think he makes excuses for them that I don't like. Um, so, you know, I, I got to like the fact that Roman Quinn doesn't know how to bunt and, you know, there's people that say, well, you know, that goes back to the farm system and Matt Clintac and the coaches and the farm system as he came through the farm system over the last five years or so. And, and I think that's true, but I also think Joe Girardi has been the manager of the Phillies for upwards of, um, 15 or 16 months that Roman Quinn's been a Philly and Roman Quinn still doesn't know how to bunt. I mean, I'm not trying to pick on the guy the week that, that, you know, his hand got, you know, smashed by a ball. He's on the, you know, the IR DL, whatever that gets called. Um, But I mean, the reality is he doesn't know how to bunt and that's absurd. And, you know, if I'm Joe Girardi and I'm managing a guy like Roman Quinn, who obviously can't really hit very much, I would say to him, like, listen, man, here's the deal. Uh, 250 times every day in the cage and you're going to learn how to bunt. And if you don't, there's a really good chance you're going to be off the team and your dream right. of being a major league baseball player could evaporate. So it's your choice. You learn how to bunt, you increase your chances to stick around or you don't learn how to bunt and you might be in the minor leagues. It's your choice. And I don't the sense I, that you already does that. Well, the thing I today, a lot of these young guys don't play fundamental baseball anymore. It's a thing in the past. It's overrated. It's overrated. Who would you replace for Girardi? If you don't like Girardi, so who do you think would be the best replacement? I'm not I'm not there. I'm absolutely not there. I am not saying to replace him. I haven't even thought of names. Believe me, I'm not saying to fire Joe Girardi. I'm just saying that my antenna is up that I think to this point he's been disappointing. If it comes down to it toward the end of the year and the Phillies may be on the cusp of getting a wild card. Is the bullpen going to do them in again? You know, I think, uh, I mean, it's hard to know without knowing who's injured at that point, <laughs> because I'm sure somebody will be. I think the bullpen's been been pretty good. I mean, they obviously hit a rougher patch over the last, like, seven to ten days. Um, but, you know, not totally unexpected when you consider that, um, you know, there was a couple games without Alvarado. There was the Alvarez situation. You know, you had the COVID outbreak. I mean, mini outbreak. You had the uh, – the uh, what's the guy from uh, from Texas? What's his name? Uh, Bradley, Archie Bradley being injured. I mean, Bradley's supposed to basically be their main eighth inning guy. Um, I, I'm 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 very encouraged with the bullpen. I'm not I'm not worried about it right now. And I and I think it's you know without knowing where the injuries go, I think it's not the thing that the Phillies will. If the Phillies can only make one or two moves before a trade deadline, and I certainly don't expect them to make five. I think prioritizing center field and the fourth starter have got to take priority over the bullpen. One more yeah, thing. Then, say- one more thing, and I'll shut up, and then I'll I'll, I'll, I'll just. <laughs> I'll get so, shut up. I only I only have a I only have a bathtub waiting for me, and my bullpen <laughs> Pedro Martinez. So it's either talk to you guys, watch the Sopranos, or go back to my bathtub and read my Pedro box. Because so this <laughs> because the season started out so because the season started out so promising. 
Where in the holy hell do the Flyers go next? Where are they going to go now? You know, it's a great question. And I've thought about it a little bit. I haven't totally thought it all through. I hate to say it, but I think it's mostly two things. The, the first is most of the guys you just got to bring back and just hope they're better. And obviously Carter Hart's the primary example of that. I mean, there's nothing more important for the Flyers than getting Carter Hart right. I don't know what the heck happened to him this year. I think that it's – let's put it this way. It was a comparable backslide to Wentz's. Um, isn't going to lead to him being off the team. Um, but it was – Comparable. I think Wentz's was worse, but it was similar. Um, and I think those two are like the two biggest backslides in a, in a year I can remember in a long time in Philly sports. So obviously the fundamental thing is to get Carter Hart right, whatever that means. I don't know if that's re-engaged with the sports psychologist or what. I, I don't know if he was suffering from an injury that we didn't know about. I, I just don't know. I would tend to think confidence became a big part of it. Got to get him right. But I also think, and, and the second this is the second part is where it gets so tricky. I mean, I am a believer they got to move off of players that they're paying a lot of money to um, that are still under contract. And you got a guy like Giroux who's been a great player, but he's obviously diminished. He's only going to be further diminished, and he's got a no trade clause. So I don't, I don't have an answer for that. I mean, I, I, you know, my answer is don't give that guy, don't give that type of guy no trade clause next time. I don't know. I mean, um, Voracek's making a lot of money as well. Same and thing. I mean, look, it's just maybe we got a little bit carried away last year. Maybe we got a little bit carried away n- not realizing that, look, Carter Hart looked like the real deal. So I don't think we got carried away with that. I think we were legitimately right to be totally psyched as a fan base. But maybe we got a little carried away not recognizing that the young players, there weren't as many great young players maybe as we thought. And the older players, you know, were only going to get older and, decline and really weren't that great. It wasn't like Giroux had a great playoff last year. He really didn't. Right. So I, 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 I hate to say I throw my hands up a little bit on that one, but it's, it's a tricky one. I mean, when no trade clauses are involved, I, I don't, I don't know what to say about that. No, Rick, Rick has a good question. Speaking of, you know, we're, as we're flying back and forth here with the Phillies and, and, and the Flyers, but he says, how does everyone feel about MLB pulling the all-star game out of Atlanta? And since when did baseball become political? Said, well, I, I mean, look, that's their choice. I didn't love it, but you know, it's uh, it's a controversial situation, and uh, I didn't think it was advisable. But a lot of people did. A lot of people didn't. You know, we touched on it. We'll see where it goes. I, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see to what extent baseball um, makes similar decisions or doesn't the next time around. I don't know. We'll see. Yep. Bill says, and, and Rick, I'll tell you my, my thoughts here in a second, but he says that, Hammer, today's show you had uh, you had a question. Who should play center field? Then a caller brings up how about Harper. What's your thoughts? So I hadn't even thought about it until the caller said it. I, I, I wanted to hug the caller for even suggesting it. I thought it was fantastic. I know social distancing, we're not supposed to, but 
I was like, dude, what a great idea, man. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I don't know how effective Harper would be in center, but I tend to believe this. If the Phillies regular center fielders are going to continue to hit whatever they're hitting, which is probably combined below 150, um, then there's no way they could do worse with Harper and center. You're going to lose some defense. Right. Uh, and, and a different right fielder who, who's got a stick. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that's a better setup. So I, I think it's something to really consider. I don't think they'll do it next week, but if these guys keep hitting 115, I, then at some point you got to, you got to really consider it. Oh, so how about you getting out there playing center field? Oh man, listen, man, I'd, I'd I'd last three innings and I would I would tear my all all my groin again. You can't yeah. you can't put Harper in center field. He's getting paid so much money for so many years. You need to protect him. And out in the outfield, center field is definitely the most difficult position to play. And the last thing the last thing we want is for Harper running to his left, running to his right, trying to track down balls. Listen, he hustles out there, but there's a huge investment that the Phillies made in Harper, and the last thing we need is for him to get injured with a groin or something like that. What is it, 13 years, $330 million. I think he's fine in right exactly. field. Un unfortunately, center field is an issue right now. Here's the bold prediction that I'm going to make to everybody, and hopefully in a couple months from now when it happens, you can refer back to this show. The person who the Philadelphia Phillies are going to trade is Reese Hoskins. He's going to get traded. At the deadline, they're going to bring in either a number four starter, Joe, as you talked about, or bring in a center fielder. Move Alec Bohm to first base, take the pressure on him, take the pressure off of him defensively at third base, and just move Hoskins. That's the they prediction play, I'm going to make. Play third base. Gene Segura. Gene Segura. Real quick, before you keep going, I got to plug my computer in because it's about to die. So let me get that. Keep talking. I'll be back in 10 seconds. Sure. Foods, oh, you do that. Wait, wait, wait. You said, Gene, Gene you said Segura. Hoskins. Who's going to play center fielder? Or, or a center fielder. Well, well, don't most baseball trades work where they you just get like a ton of prospects back? Or like, I feel like that's a hard name. trade to conduct, you know? Because you, you don't normally trade baseball MLB guys for MLB guys. Go out and, go out and pick up uh, Albert Pulos now. He's a free agent. <laughs> See if he has anything in the tank. Man, I don't think that that tank is dry. I don't think Albert Pujols will be able to come back for. I mean, he could. Don't get me wrong for him out there, but he's. Fly he's on him. Why not? I, and no, I, I think he's done for the most part. What do you think, Joe? Just well, I mean, I know he's been hitting like under two hundred or something, so I, I guess he's done. Um, I mean. <laughs> Would I be intrigued to consider signing him as a bat off the bench? I mean, it's freaking Albert Pools. I guess you got to look at it. But, I mean, he's also 40-something years old. I mean, I'm you know. I'm just being facetious. Yeah, I, 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 I guess he's probably done. It, it's it's a shame. It's a shame when you see a player that historically great that, well that, like that hangs on that long. I mean, it, it reminds me a little bit of Carlton. I mean, there's I think there's very few – I think there's very few players that have reached that level of greatness in sports right. that we have seen continue to play to the point where they are so unplayable. Most of the really great ones, 
get out. They might be below average, but they're not like the worst. And sure. it's a shame when you see Pujols or, or Lefty. I mean, Lefty at the end, you know, with Minnesota, I mean, it was just a complete farce. All right. You shame. think, Joe, was, was it – would the Angels feel like it was basically a mistake for having that 10-year contract with them and then never winning a championship with Pujols? I don't know, man. I'd have to ask their, their owner. I, I mean – they haven't even made the playoffs that often. Um, no. I don't know. I, you know, look, I've had my concerns on the Bryce contract because, you know, it runs through when he's 39 and I know that's younger than what Pujols currently is, but you know, that you, you run a risk with that stuff. And I, you know, I, I think, you know, that you're going to get tremendously diminished returns at the end. Because remember, I mean, the thing that does make Pujols and, and Bryce different, I mean, not just that Pujols at his best was certainly way better than Harper, but um, Pujols was a lot older when he signed his deal. Right. You know, that's one thing that does work to his advantage. Joe, yeah. it's stupid money. <laughs> yeah. In the words of John Middleton. Uh, well, and again, I mean, this goes to my point about the, um, the expansion of the NFL season. I mean, everything that happens – Every dollar generated is split between the owners and the players. Exactly. And it never, it never comes to the fans. It just doesn't. I mean, you know, let's expand the playoffs. Let's expand the playoffs again. You know, come on. You know, it's just, I mean, well, like, for well, instance, as a, guys. As a fan, aren't you the, feeding the, him the money? I'm sorry, fan, say it again? You just, I said, are, well, as a fan, you're, you're, you're paying them. Well, you're, yeah, you're feeding yeah. them that. So, like, the only yeah, way you're not going to. All of them. If you're, they expand the playoff because they know you're going to watch it, and they're going to make more money because they know you're going to watch it. You know, so that's why I, they the 17th game. I believe. I I agree with you. I I don't I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, they they have us in their hand, and um, look, guys, we love sports. I mean, the six of us are here talking sports tonight. That's you know, it's it's what we're wired to do. Um, yeah. But I mean, I just. I think where I object sometimes is I find it disingenuous um, the way it's presented sometimes. I guess I, <laughs> I would rather a league just say sometimes, you know, l l let, me, let me tell you why we just expand it. We just expand it to make a lot more money and we're going to split it up amongst ourselves and we're not giving you any of it. And I'd say, okay, well, they just, they just uh, looked me in the face and told me the truth. But instead, as a for instance, and I think there is no bigger sham right now in sports than this. Instead, you get the NBA that has this ridiculous play-in tournament. It's not a play-in tournament. Right. It's the expansion of the NBA playoffs. That's what it is. They <laughs> expanded the playoffs. They just don't want to tell you they expanded the playoffs because they don't want to tell you that a 10th seed can make the playoffs after a 72 or 82 game regular season because they know they look ridiculous. But all they did was expand the playoffs. That's what it is. It's the playoffs. So it just it just annoys me when things are couched a certain way because it's totally bogus. Joe, you remind me of uh, Jim Moore going off in the playoffs with the Colts. Just went away. He kept saying playoffs. 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 We can't even win a game. Yeah, I I loved Moore, man. I wanted to get this. I wanted to get this. I wanted to get this in real quick and just before the other guys start asking more questions again here. Um, I was speaking with our board, 
my boy Martinez today, and I brought up because it was hilarious, and he told me to ask you about it. Do you remember the prank call that he did ordering Chinese food when you were? Yeah, he's like, ask ask him about it. He's like, he thought it was hilarious. So for years, people have been giving me friends in the industry and you know outside the industry have been giving me a hard time for years. Apparently, when I order food, I'm I'm sort of Meg Ryan like from um, Harry Met Sally. Look, my, my thing is very simple. When I order food, I want what I want. I want exactly what I want. I don't want anything outside of what I want. And I want exactly what I want. So I'm going to be extremely clear in describing <laughs> what I want. And uh, that has led to uh, some incredibly some confusion sometimes. And, um, and and certainly some some absurd moments on the phone. So, yeah, Jason, Well, 90% of what he was saying was, Hi, I'm Joe DeCamera. It's great to be with you. It's great to yeah, be working with you. Yeah, and that's, that's all that's all he was saying, like 90% of the phone call. <laughs> yeah, I remember it. Yeah, it was good stuff. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. told me to ask you about it. <laughs> yeah. There's actually there's two things before uh, we go over to a quick segment with Safe Out of Bell here. But Bill says, uh, hey Hammer, in your honest opinion, give the years for all four teams when the championships are coming back to Philly. There's no way for me to predict that. I, I, it's, I'm going to decline, and I'm going to tell you why. To me, that's the same thing as saying, and I freaking hate it. I hate it. Every damn Sunday or Friday before a Sunday football game, uh, a sports talk show host, a person on TV is expected to tell you the score of the Eagles game versus the Giants. And every Sunday – People come up with the same nonsense, 23 23-17, 28-24, 31-28. It's stupid. It's absurd. It holds no relevancy. So I kind of feel that same way on this one. I'm not trying to be rude. I'll just say the team closest, obviously, is the Sixers. I do think they have a shot to get it done. Not this year. I mean, they have a shot this year. I don't think they will. I think the hope is that as LeBron – you know, comes down. Um, the Sixers can be well positioned with, with Ben or without. We'll have to say. Um, right. You know, so I, I think uh, you know, and then beyond that, who the heck knows? Um, but but uh, you know, the Sixers obviously have the best shot as far as years. I you know, I mean, what's the point of predicting? I I, don't know. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? Want me to tell you when the Flyers are going to win the Stanley Cup? I have no clue. Twenty twenty nine. I mean, I have no idea. <laughs> It's going to be a while for sure. But listen, once again, we'd like to thank Joe DeCamera, who co-hosts the show and or hosts the show along with John Ritchie, 94 WIP. If you guys want to listen in, you can also listen to their Audacity app and look for 94 WIP with Joe and John, the midday show. And again, as we said in the very beginning, I defy anyone to find a better show. And I'm not talking about just in Philly. I'm talking nationally. 10 to 2, that hours are locked 94 WIP with Joe, John, and James behind the glass there. So, John, you know, Joe, thank you so much again for coming on. Um, one thing that, of course, our sports contributor thought, because we know you're such a fanatic when it comes to movies and TV shows, and people like to hint all kinds of movies. So we have some questions here, and I see that there's two more comments coming in by you guys. So I'll get to that here, Joey. But there's a, there's a couple of comments, or at least a couple of questions that uh, we figured that we could just, you know, shoot your way and see what happens. So 
this is a combination between myself and uh, Sherman. So Sherman, if you want to unmute your mic, because I'm pretty sure you're going to have to chime in here. So the first question would be, we're going to start off real simple. Who was the actor who played Mr. Belding? So I didn't do any research. You told me uh, <laughs> off air that, that uh, you wanted to throw some Save by the Bell questions at me. Um, so let me think for a second here. Um, I believe his name, and I know he's good friends with Barkley. Um, I believe his name is um, Dennis Haskins. You are correct, sir. Okay. Good job by you also. I mean, believe me, believe me, in 1993, I could have probably gotten all of these. Right now, this is going to be tricky. All right, what's the next one? All right. Now, do you also know, just as a bonus question here, an actual video that he was on and the name of the band that he was in the video with? And Sherman, you're, you're, the same question we posted for you as well as a bonus question. I do not. I don't. I know. Yeah, I know he's popped up a few times through the years, but I don't know a specific video. All right. Well, then I'm going to hear where, where I won't get into too much trouble with YouTube, but here is the one. It's Dirty Heads. <laughs> hey, I'm on vacation every single day because I love my occupation. Hey, hey. Hey, I'm on vacation. If you don't like your life, then you should go and change it. Hey, I'm on vacation every single day because I love my occupation. Hey, I'm on vacation every single day, every single day. Now, if you get a chance, go back and watch that video. I tell you what, Joy, it's a it was a good video. Matter of fact, when I left from Philly, uh some years ago here, about three years ago, I actually played that. So my partner that I worked with over at SEPTA, he, he never heard the song before. And we used to go around all the time. And every Friday, I would play it in the speakers that we had inside of our office. And it was every single Friday. Angel, why do you play that? Because I'm going on vacation. You guys don't believe me. I am. Well, I'm on vacation. Because living here in Florida, it's like being on vacation every single day. So, But Dirty Heads was the, the name of that group. Uh, the next one here is... Why did make Why did Zach make a video during uh, for a dating service? Why did he make a, a video for a dating service? Yeah, I guess to get a date. I don't know. <laughs> Sherman, why did Zach make a video dating service? Yep. Oh wow, that's. A Man, I thought you said I thought you said for a dating service. Nope. Sorry. Why did Zach make a video? Of a dating service. Why did oh, why did Zach make a video dating service? Yeah. Oh, oh, why did so he created the dating service? Right. Yeah. Okay, that's different. I got gotcha. you. To make a dollar? Mm, maybe very, very close. Sherman? As I recall, he basically wanted to pimp out the the ladies of Bayside <laughs> and the boys of Bayside and, and I believe that Zach got pretty jealous when all the uh, the suitable bachelors started hitting on Kelly Kapowski. All right. Well, I will tell you this much: Joe was a little bit closer because he actually wanted to do it to buy a car. So actually, that uh. one, yeah, Joe's <laughs> a little bit closer on that one. So I, I will go right now: two for the hammer, none for Sherman here. But it's okay. It, oh, it was for Screech. Sher Sherman said, "Pimp out." That's what made you. <laughs> it's a good one, though. Uh, identify the name of the actress who plays Kelly Kapowski. <laughs> Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Yep. That was her. And this right. one, one, of my all -time, one of my all-time favorites. 
Just yeah, and she's got so a matter of fact, uh, selfish plug, I guess, for MTV. <laughs> she's got a uh, show now. It's called Deliciousness, and her and, and a couple other people they they watch videos of people and and the food that they make. And so, if you guys want to see Tiffany Amber Thiessen, what she looks like today, I believe, matter of fact, I think it was tonight that the show was on. But um, the other question was in Jesse's song episode, Kelly, Jesse, and Lisa are part of a singing girl group. What is the name of the group? No clue. <laughs> Sherman? Well, I'm the one who wrote this question, so I'm going to have to know it because I, it's Hot Sunday. Right, listen. It's Hot Sunday. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. <laughs> so, hey, 2 1. And, and, you know, we still got a chance here. So, in, in the Save the Max episode, the gang puts radio station KKTY back on the air. Which member of the group? quits because everyone thinks that this person is a bad host. Um, I'll say Lisa Turtle. Ooh, yeah. Sherman, and you did not write this question, Sherman, So, but what is the answer to this one? Because I'm pretty sure you know it because you look like you're just chomping at the bit here. That would be that A.C. Slater who was doing sports and was very choppy with his reading. All right, listen, 2-2 two, two here. So last question, which would be interesting, is a tiebreaker. So in the 1-900 Crushed episode, what is the name that Zach uses when giving relationship advice to his fellow teens? Well, first of all, I got to take a time out uh -huh. so I can go look it up. Okay. <laughs> look it up. <laughs> sure, go look um, it up. They did away with the timeouts at a certain point as it got further in the years. Um, I'll give you a hint. There, yeah. There's an energy drink named almost after it. And I'm not talking about the most popular one either, not Red Bull. Think of something that goes pretty fast. There's an American gladiator who had the same name. Viper? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, not quite. But if, if 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 you can put something in a cylinder to make the car go faster, you push a button and it's uh I don't know, you tell me. Well, nitrous oxide. There yeah. you go. There you go. So that was the answer. Nitro. So hey, listen, it, it's okay. The, the first time I think in a long time someone could say they actually uh, end up being hammer. Oh, and I saw a couple people made the comments here. Joey. Pipped off Saved by the Bell just and <laughs> she got it. It's been a long time uh, since we watched Saved by the Bell. I do have a, I have a, I have a bonus question for you guys. Okay. Oh, what member? What member of the Philadelphia sports media had a sister on American Gladiators? Ooh, sister. Still active today? Like still on radio? Or somebody retired. Still active Philadelphia sports media member. A current Philadelphia sports media member. Wow. You guys have a guess? It's not Eskin because I don't think Eskin, not that I know of, but I could be wrong. Wow. I, I only know one, so I'm going to guess Greg Murphy, but I'm assuming that's probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Murphy. I wonder, I wonder if it – wonder if it is the WIP. Maybe it's his co-host. Not Ron Ridgey. John Ridgey? My, my, guess would, my guess would be Rhea Hughes. Think about it's American not. Gladiators, which was about 30 years ago, and thinking, that, you know, was not Rhea Hughes? That not would be Rhea. Wow. Vince Quinn. 
It's not Vince. It's somebody who played in the NFL. What? Well, well, John, John Ritchie. Michael, Michael Vick. Mike Reese. Uh, Bang. Baldy. Oh, well. Did one of you guys see Brian Baldinger? Yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was like Brian, Brian. I was like, there's Richie, there's Baldinger. Yeah, Baldy. Baldy. Baldy's sister was was one of the American Gladiators. Oh, who knew that? Wow, pretty surprising. Hey, listen, you, you can't say you don't learn something new every day, but it's it it's very interesting, at, at least to say the least. But listen, Joe, I I, I know you, you're dying to get to your your bathtub and your nah, books awesome. and your movies. What <laughs> <laughs> episode? Exactly. Midnight Run, a classic. Um, I'm on uh, episode uh, season season three, I think episode eight. Um, uh, the Pine Barrens. It's right before I the Pine. I think Pine Barrens is around ten that year, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I know it was yeah. like two or three. Yeah. yeah. Right. Have you ever watched Breaking Bad? Yeah, I loved it. Tremendous. I got it as tier two. To right. me, tier one is Sopranos, Wire, and Game of thrones i i got uh breaking bad at the top of tier two that's just that's me i know a lot of people put breaking bad tier one it is outstanding it is really really outstanding but now have you seen the spinoff one the better call saul no i've thought about it um you know maybe i'll get there i'm watching uh, i think seven different shows right now i've definitely been <laughs> off more than i can show it's getting ridiculous right now i'm doing uh sopranos for the third time i'm doing uh cheers um, uh, I'm doing uh, uh, The Crown, which is freaking good. I'm doing something called Atlanta Crossing, which is outstanding. I'm doing uh, The Undoing, which is weird, and I might jump out of it. I'm watching Good Times, and I'm Ooh, watching uh, – wait, wait. And there's one other one in there. I forget. Frazier? No, well, if that's the case, then you end up you, – I'm pretty sure you watch Cheers. Oh yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I I saw all the Cheers back in the day, and then I watched all of it um, first time, like all the way through uh, about three years ago. But I mean, I'd seen every episode, and now I'm doing it again. You know, I've been I've been doing about it. Res huh? Rescue me, rescue me. Have you I seen all the seasons one. of Rescue Me? What a know. great show! What a fantastic show! But uh, Good Times kind of surprised you. Didn't see Good Times when you were growing up? No, I've seen it. I mean, I saw it a ton, but I never did all the way through so oh, okay i got um, you yeah yeah like i went back and during the pandemic i uh, did family ties all the way through and you know i'd probably seen most of them back in the day but uh you know it's fun to kind of go back and, and do them all the way through there's i know that i mean there's there's tons of good shows like netflix right now one i got into it was um queen of the south so i don't know if if, if you want to add that to the list it's that one's it's pretty good. It's not it's only two seasons, so it's not really long. And I think they're about thirty-five minutes a piece as far as when it comes to the episode. So that that's if there's one you want to watch further into your catalog, that's one of the good ones you can watch from uh, from Netflix is, is Queen of the South. So free plug, I guess, there for Netflix. Um one thing I, I do want to say, I should have maybe asked much earlier. How did you get into radio, Joe? And and what made you just I, I know we all love sports, just like you said earlier. But what made you, as you went on with your career and going from a young man to an adult, to actually get you in the radio? Well, I made that transition when I was young. Um, and look, I mean, it's a long, long story. But the short of it is that um, 
I was really unhappy my first year out of college. I was really miserable. I really couldn't stand what I was doing, which was working for a financial institution in New York. Um, you know, it was the kind of job that would be considered like a, a good first job out of college, but it didn't mean that I liked it. it. Didn't mean that I felt like I was good at it. Didn't certainly didn't think I wanted to continue with that um, line moving forward. So I had to kind of, you know, challenge myself to figure out, well, I know I don't want to do this, but what do I want to do? You know, and, and so it, it took a lot of took a lot of time thinking and um, and just trying to really sort of figure out, you know, what what do I enjoy in life? What do I think I'm good at? You know, trying to kind of figure out characteristics about myself and and try to create something. And, um, you know, that was a process over many months when I was 23 years old. And, uh, you know, the two things I kept coming back to uh, were my love of sports and um, what I thought was a strength uh, in, in communicating. And I thought, you know, if I can ever sort of create something around sports and, and communication skills, I, I think that would be good, you know. And But, of course, I didn't know what to do with that. I mean, what the heck does that mean? It's just two words. It's sports and communicating. It's not a job. It's certainly not a career. And um you know, so I talked to a lot of uh, adults, you know, around me, aunts and uncles and uh, my mom and just just a lot of people and just trying to get feedback. And, and I, I happened to talk to uh, to one friend who, who's an older, older guy. And um, he, he told me he knew Merrill Reese and uh, he told me he'd be happy to oh, put wow. me in touch with Merrill. And because I was thinking in terms of, well, that's tremendous. And, you know, maybe that can lead to something with the Eagles. And um but what I did not know is that Merrill uh, owned and still does own a, uh, a radio station in Bucks County. And really? so, I, yeah. And so I bought a, uh, bought a cell phone. That was the first cell phone I ever had so that um, um, I could call Merrill, um, got his machine and then field his phone call back. And I, I purchased a cell phone so that if Merrill called me, I could see it at my desk in New York. So this was um, 2000. And, um, yeah, so, you know, Merrill and I talked and he, he told me that, you know, my buddy that was friends with him, you know, just had a nice things to say about me. And, um, so he, he told me he wanted me to come, come down for an interview for an internship. And, you know, that's what I did shortly thereafter. And, uh, I started there and I, I was an unpaid intern, uh, for, you know, for some time and, uh, you know, made very, 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 very little money for a long time. Right. Um, but I, you know, I just, I, I moved home and, um, I just, you know, made the decision that I wanted to go for it with, with everything I could, you know, and, and just really commit myself to it. And, uh, so it's, it's been a, it's been an incredibly fun journey, very difficult, very, very difficult in the early years. You know, it's not that different. I don't think than sort of the, Hey, I want to go be a movie star out in LA thing. You know, I mean, you're going to have so many more people and you have spots at the table and it's just really, it's a, it's a tough industry to, to kind of crack through. But, um, you know, I, I feel really fortunate to, you know, have, uh, you know, made a lot of friends and, um, you know, you guys asking me to come on your show. I appreciate that. And I just, um, it's been a fun journey, you know, and, and there's a lot of other aspects of it. And, twists and turns, but it all started back then in 2000 and in 2001 and leaving my job in New York to basically chase the dream. And I just said, I'm, oh, I'm moving home and I'm going to go 5,000 miles an hour after it. And I'm going to put everything I can into it. And, and that's what I've done. Joe, did you start at 97.5 since their inception? I was there in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah, I, but it was, that's what I thought. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
But uh, yeah, no, Merrill, Merrill was instrumental in, in my, um, I mean, without Merrill, you know, I, I don't think I'd be on WIP and, uh, you know, it's, there's a lot of luck involved and timing and, you know, you gotta be willing to, you know, I think take certain risks at certain times. And, um, I think there's times where you, you gotta just, uh, um, suck it up. You know, and I've always, you know, I, I talk to a lot of students, you know, I get asked to go to schools and stuff and speak from time to time. And, you know, one of my big messages, certainly about this industry, um, but I, I would imagine to a certain extent it applies to, to most, if not all industries is, you know, the combination of what seems like sort of opposites, um, persistence and patience. You know, you, you got to really go pedal to the metal to try to, you know, go for what you want and get after it. But you also have to be willing to. Uh oh, he'll come back. May have froze up. Incredible, incredible story. I greatly appreciate it as a, as a student myself. So hopefully he can come back and, and finish because I, I I am very curious to, to hear what he has to say. He'll probably come back. Either it's frozen or, or something else ended up accidentally happening. But that it's, it's like I said to Fuji. You know, persistence breaks down resistance. But in this business. You have to be patient because it will not happen overnight. Nope, sure won't. That's the one. Just like anything. Yep, that's listen. That's the one thing for sure. Um, and, and I'll get back to your comment here, Ryan, in a second, because Ducky says, "Does anyone watch All American?" That's a great, great series. Good great show. series. Yep, really good series. Anybody gets a chance? And uh, Ducky, I think you told me as well. It was four seasons, Queen of the South. He'll come back. I'm pretty sure he'll he'll sign back in. Um, Joey B says, "Well, said Neff." <clears throat> And there was a – I know you had a bunch of them in there, Joey B, so don't feel bad because I, I know you had a bunch of other funnier comments in there where, as we were trying to get the show going along. Uh, was there one, 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 one? Where was it? I know you said it was 100% attendance. It was – matter of fact, it's – What's with the hats? Well, as Joey said it earlier, it's like – Yeah, like team quarterbacks. <laughs> what do you think? You're Frank Sinatra. No, it's, new, it's, a, new, it's a new segment. The many, the many hats of Neff. Exactly. Look like Sean that? Connery a little bit with that on there. Just trim the beard down a little. What are you trying to say, Fuji? You're saying I look like Sean Connery now. <laughs> Joey, we love you back. Rick, all those guys. I mean, Ducky, I mean, you name it. Oh, Ducky, you did have a question. Sorry, I want to get back to Ducky here for momentarily as ducky. we wait for uh, that's the ducky. to get back on. That's the Ducky. There he is. That's the duck. That's the duck man. <laughs> Who was that name? There he is. There he is. There he is. Was that on my end or your end? That was on your end. If you had to go heat up the bath water, you should have just let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that was. It, but anyway, it, I, yeah, I'm sorry that happened. But so, bottom line is, it was just you know, kind of going after it, and and you know, I'm I'm really happy that I did. What I, I will and say, thankful to thankful to a lot of people that helped me along the way. I mean, that's you know, there's a lot of other parts of that story, but you know, I've I've met some really special people. When there was a couple of, uh, sorry, a couple of guys came in and says, Joey B says, great story right there. Jody paid his bills. Uh, paid his due, sorry, not his bills. <laughs> Pardon me. Bills. <laughs> Joe, interesting <laughs> hearing <your> journey. <laughs> and uh, do, 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 do. Joey B says, uh, that's Clemson University. That's for Nick there. But Joe, no, it's you're you're exactly right. Listen, we, you know, we're, again, we love to have, uh, we've been able to find our own little niche here. We, we normally, about an hour and a half before the, the Eagles game, we're on. So, you know, we compete with the likes of, you know, obviously WIP, the Fanatic, ESPN, everybody. 
And we enjoy, we're, we've been fortunate as uh, after the middle part of the year, we started getting from eight to 900 live views, uh, which was a lot of fun, at least for us. And we've been growing. I mean, it, you, you can't master this craft overnight. Ryan says it like all the time. And, you know, and we also appreciate everyone who's come on, those who've helped us along the way, because it, it goes far. I mean, this for me, it was a dream that started 10 years ago. I wasn't able to fulfill it then, but I'm able to fulfill it now. And hopefully it will go places. And if it wasn't for you, Tony Bruno, I mean, Derek Gunn, Greg Murphy's been on and Derek Gunn twice with us. And, and if it wasn't for those guys, Jimmy, you know, my brother, Mark. if it's not for them, this doesn't happen. And Mark, you know, we appreciate having you on, especially because, you know, it's what are the odds that you're a fan of someone who's on radio and then you have the opportunity of not still being that fan, but now interviewing one of, you know, the bigger people on, on radio. And, and I know you don't boast or brag about yourself, Joe, but again, it's the amazing job that you guys do. And it's when you can have the worst game possible, guaranteed Monday morning, right after that game, or if they play Monday night, Tuesday morning, I mean, you guys bring out the best of the worst that can happen the day before. So listen, thanks to you and, and, you know, just taking that chance for yourself and coming on the Philly market. Cause I, I don't think honest to God, and I know WIP went through the growing pains and now they've been successful at, you know, John and John Marks that follows after you guys. I mean, he, another, you know, guy from, from the fanatic. And if you look, even the journey from good Lord, and I'm going to forget his name here, Sean Brace. If you take a look at Sean after he was let go on April fool's day from the fanatic and what he's done today, it's a, it's pretty amazing what all you guys have done the changes, everything that's happened, the changes you guys even knew to radio today. It, it's amazing. So it's, you know, I'm me personally, I'm pretty sure the guys, guys are the same way too. All of us. We're we're proud of what you guys have done. We really appreciate you guys being on air and hopefully you guys will never go away. I mean, it's you know, if Howard Stern could do it for I don't know, a hundred years, I'm pretty sure you guys can do it as well. You know, barring anything that happens. But hey. I, I, guys, I appreciate it. I really do. I I uh Wish you all the luck in the world with what you're doing. I I, I know sort of what you're doing. Like I, I live that, and uh, I I I think it's great what you're doing, and uh, I appreciate the kind words. You know, I I I remember when I was on that station in Bucks County. I was talking about when Phil Jasner came on my show, and that was that was you know for me that was amazing. You know, and uh, so I just try to stay involved and connected to people, and uh, I appreciate all the kind words. I really do. We, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Yes, thank Perfect. you. Yep. So, right, Joe. Well, well, when I see you down at the ballpark or one of the stadiums, grab me and, uh, you know, it, it's all good stuff, man. And good luck and keep it rolling. And uh, thanks for having on your having me on your show tonight, guys. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, fellas. You're right. Have a good one. See you, guys. Take care. See you, Joe. Isn't it? Everybody, when I put them in the room there. So, uh, listen, thanks to, to everyone. Thanks. To, and and who knew we were going to have so much bonus time with Joe? So, Joe, thank you so much for coming on. We really do appreciate it. Again, much success to the WIP crew, especially my brother Jimmy Seltzer, who puts it all together. So, thanks to everyone watching tonight as we had bonus show that we weren't expecting. So, it, listen, this is what happens. I'm going to bring back the comment here that Bill just made a second ago. Um, he's at Broad Street South Angel. You're awesome with a great set of characters. Great job. And, and again, if listen, it, it started with just a dream and then Vito comes along and he's been, you know, he was following me during the, <clears throat> during the updates. And, and I knew that if I was going to start with somebody, it was going to be with Vito. And I've said the story before <clears throat> as I'm losing my voice here, it's been a long day, but <clears throat> if it wasn't for Vito, just taking the, the ride with me and then Sherman who started with comments, just like Ryan Neff, the same thing. And 
Sherman and I, we've we've started building that relationship just like one step, one you know layer of cement at a time. And now the walls are going up and the good walls, not bad walls, not like when you have a bad relationship, but the good walls are going up. And I'm fortunate to be with these guys. Ryan Neff, who came on board, Nick Lisi, who I got to meet down there in Tampa, who was, you know, interested as far as when I did the the interview with Jabari. To this day, by the way, Nick, I still talk to Jabari just about every single day. Yeah. And his co-host hopefully will come on very shortly, who came from Cleveland, huge Browns fan. So it'd be great to see another co or another, yeah, another host coming on from uh Tim Tampa Brightside. And along with that, next week, of course, we have on Seth Joyner. That's pretty exciting. Again, I'll mention with Carlos Vega for May 18th. Make sure you guys go out and vote. There's what today is the sixth. So you get about 12 days away from making a change in Philly. Um, there's also another one as well that I want to make. Oh, um, 101.5. Soon to have them on as well here at the Tampa local radio station. Um, so there's a lot, a lot of stuff that is coming up here. But again, these group of guys, this nucleus right here, if, if I can put this in a time capsule and hope that in the future we can continue to love, grow, and have passion for each other and passion for the fans, it's going to be absolutely fantastic because every single one of these guys brings something to the table. And I, I can't, I'm grateful and thankful to have this crew. And it's not because we're here on there. I say it all the time. And without them, I, you know, this show is not successful without this whole entire group. So, And Nick knows it. Nick is our, our youngest of the group. We know that at one point some great company is going to pick him up, but we hope that Nick, he knows he always has a seat in the house, front row seats, no matter what happens. So, Nick, we really appreciate you. We appreciate the articles. Ryan, as our NASCAR correspondent, I mean, we're, listen, we still got NASCAR to go. We got more other sports to go. College next year is going to be crazy now, especially with Nick being on board. So a lot of things are going to happen, folks. Thank you guys for always watching. Thank you for actually going to BroadStreetSouth.com downloading the audio podcast we are 98th in the country believe it or not in under sports podcast and we couldn't do it without you guys and we hope that one day there will be number one as your audio source for everything sports related and even life sports and entertainment as we're known around here so um preach yeah bill says <laughs> can't wait for <laughs> also, maybe doors open for other players to come on we're hoping so listen we're hoping as green legion radio man in fact um Chris Sack, who came on with us. So he's going to try and get that group to come on as well. And again, we know the football season is coming around the corner. It is our first ever off-season away from football, and we've made it successful all the way through May. So we only got two more months left before we kick off the football season all over again. So it's been a lot, a lot of fun. We know that Sherman makes a lot of sacrifices because he is a teacher, but he takes a moment and puts the pen down to come on with us. So Sherman, listen, thank you. Also, thank you for showing the video again. And I want to mention one more time, because we said it on Tuesday on the audio podcast. If you guys want to see a great show, and this is where I will use my pen, because that man right below me, if you guys want to hear Frank Sinatra, Sherman, tell them where they can go so you can hear old blue eyes all over again. If anybody wants to look me up on Facebook under Michael Sherman or look my wife up, Barbara Bark Sherman, we did a nine-song performance for her online business, BurksBoutique.com, this past Sunday night. We sang some Broadway. We sang some Frank Sinatra. It was absolutely fantastic. So definitely check it out. And what I'm going to say to the fans, for everybody who is still with us or who watches this in replay, find one friend, find one enemy, find one family member, and ask them to go to our page, like the page, 
follow the page and share the page. Start with one. Start with one because that's the way that we're going to grow. Thank you so much for all the support. We genuinely appreciate it. Since, Since episode one, it's like I said, this is the people show. Without everybody tuning in, friends, family, acquaintances, thank you. We appreciate it. We appreciate you following us. And we're going to the top. May That's take right. may take three years, may take five, but we're going there. No, now we right. are. Believe me. And we can do it with whomever it is, whether it's Lifestyle Media or we end up making our own uh our own network. God knows. I mean, the only man that knows is that man upstairs. So we hope Absolutely. that Absolutely. You know, we hope with, with the will of God that we'll get anything done. If we waited 10 years, if I made, you know, this 10 year dream come true, I'm pretty sure the only place that we can go is nothing but up and that, and that just takes baby steps to get there. But again, I couldn't do it with this crew right here. Um, we know that Nick pretty soon is going to be starting a new job coming up for the summer. So Nick's going to get really, you know, really busy again. You guys make sure you also check out the articles on broadstreetsouth.com that Nick has put out there fantastic articles and anyone by the way who's into analytics look at the one from the denver nuggets what an outstanding job that young nick did so by by the way any company i'm talking about major league nfl nba you name it if anyone's looking for someone who has that analytical power right here that guy that's right there right next to me so nick awesome job and thank your parents because believe me it, it it takes a lot to be just as a young professional as you are, and that comes from the home. So thank mom and dad from from all of us for what yeah. you do. I will. You got, I Gary, will. you got Gary Payton on the back of that jersey. Uh, <laughs> it's just a just a shirt. No, it's just just a supersonic shirt. Um, so nice shirt throwback. Today. Yeah, nice just throwback. The way I like it, the old old school. That's right. Vintage. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, this was a great show tonight. I uh, enjoyed uh, getting to talk to Joe. Had some great answers. Had some had some good length to his answers too, which you would love to hear from a guest. Uh, don't forget, we got to shout out our boys, fans of Philly, uh, for sponsoring our trips. Uh, maybe a Vegas trip's coming up soon. Six days uh, of the NFL and Eagles schedule. And uh, unfortunately, I don't remember the no- unfortunately, I don't remember the phone number. So I'm going to lean to Angel <laughs> to complete that for me. That would be 610-517-7171, 610-517-7171. And also reach out to joe at fansofphilly.com for your Travel Like a Champion ticket to New York or Boston with the Phillies. And, of course, we're looking forward to Denver, Atlanta, and Vegas, which we believe Vegas will be the biggest one. So, again, fansofphilly.com, we thank you guys so much. Ducky, I, that's the one I did want to bring, so thank you for bringing it back up. So, Ducky says that he has an event for next summer. It's the first annual Father's Day NFC versus AFC flag football game. And I did see, Ducky, and, and the other comment, I was trying to find it earlier, um, if I would tell advice from there, let me know the date, let me know what's going on, and I'll see I'll make the travel arrangements down there so we can have a live show uh, for your event. So let me know when that goes on. And uh, David says Sean Kemp. <laughs> Sean Kemp. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure. By the way, uh, Sean Kemp, <laughs> that guy has like player. this many kids, and Lord yeah. Almighty, broke yeah. as a joke. It, it happens. It happens to the best yep. of us. Sure does. <laughs> Just saying. So, listen, thank you to everyone who tuned in. We do appreciate, again, fansofphilly.com. Everyone else, uh, again, next Thursday, we'll have on Seth Joyner on with us on Thursday. And next Tuesday, we don't have a guest that I know of. At least it'll be us 
at least for the moment on a on the Tuesday night for behind the behind the podcast show, <laughs> and uh, that goes on on Wednesday. Uh, Dougie says, "Okay, I'm working on getting the permit. Thank you. Schedule comes out next Wednesday, according to Bill." So. Again, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, everyone, on Instagram who watched the show tonight as well, along with Twitch, Twitter, and everywhere else. For Ryan F., Nick Lisi, Vito Corleone, and the Drew Roo, thank you, guys and girls, for watching. We will see you all next week.